This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Today, Super Tuesday. Uh, ironically, it's also Pig Day. I don't know what the connection is. It's Pig Day. It's World Compliment Day. Plan a solo vacation day. Which all might be done today. By the end of Super Tuesday, some of our politicians may be planning a solo vacation. It is a crazy day. Um, primaries in uh, how many? 13, 14 states. I believe it's 13. <clears throat> wow. But only two are actually contested. Two are in play. For the Republican side. We would say that's Texas and Virginia. Minnesota's what I mean. Minnesota's in play, huh? Whatever your definition of in play is. If it, I, I think if it's, if it's within five percentage points, they... Theodore Cruz is going for Texas. He needs to win the home state. If he does that, he's the guy that can say he's the only guy that's beat Ted or uh, Donald Trump twice. If he can win Texas, if he doesn't win Texas, he's in trouble. You're, so, you're saying Iowa's wasn't a win. I just don't see what the. I mean, you win one, that's great, and you just lost twelve. <laughs> <laughs> but Texas is a big – it's yes. one of the crown jewels of, of Super Tuesday. 55 delegates. It's a big deal. I guess the hope is that you can uh, get enough delegates so that you're kind of in the game, not necessarily surpassing Trump. Yeah. You're not going to win yeah, Trump so right now. So that if something happens down the road, I mean, if Trump gets you're still sick, an option. You're, you're like the first runner-up. Yeah. You're, it's, like a, it's like one of Trump's beauty pageants. If Trump gets sick and cannot fulfill his so, role with sounds the Sounds like crown, lipstick on a pig there. With, you know, pig day. It is pig day. I'm trying to dress up this. Uh, <laughs> it's Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday into everyone, something that's more. The, that's one of the things. Is, is Donald going to run away with it? And is Hillary Clinton going to run away with it? Both of them could, could really close it up today. So this wait, is a third so of the delegates today. Mm. I don't know. Well, what's funny is Trump and uh, – well, Trump is going to make appearances today, but they're all in non-Super Tuesday states. Yeah. And then he's going to end up in Florida at a private club for – and it's not a victory, like, celebration, party, viewing party. It, it is a news conference this evening. After he wins. At one of his clubs. He's going to go to one of his clubs in Florida. Sounds like he's taking a vacation. And uh, Hillary Clinton's going to end up in Florida also. They're all getting ready this for evening. the Florida, yeah. Yeah, so they're all like, okay, that's great, moving on. Yeah, you can't rest. No rest for the weary. I just think it's great. Trump's going to be at a club. <laughs> Why is that great? I don't know. I just Was he going to have glow sticks and that kind of oh, thing yeah, swinging around sure. his head? or It's a rave, is that yeah, what they call him? That's, yeah. I doubt it. No? No. Okay. He's it's, just going to, and then he's going to have a press conference, a presser, where I bet we'll find out how great he is. Yes. And how he's winning everywhere. He could go 11 for 11. Is that what they said? Or I guess it would be 13 for 13. That's crazy. Yeah. 
But again, I think this is people are angry. Everyone can try to figure out politically how to win this. The problem is if you try to figure it out without getting to the anger of the people, you'll never figure it out. People are mad. It's like, do you remember when Ben was mad just when he comes in mad? He does. From and, we're, time to time. and we're like, just work, Ben. Yeah. Ben, quit throwing Ma- food. Mainly because his problems deal with like broken skateboard wheels. Yeah. And- who, Stuff like that. Remember when he's like, "Who busted my Who busted my track?" The zipper on his who hoodie busted my tracks comes off track or something. Yeah, Need some help. Just little yeah. things. So until we got to the root of his anger, which was he didn't have enough cereal. <laughs> he had a sugar low. He was low on sugar. Then remember, we just gave him some Hershey Kisses. Turned him right around. It's easy. But you're right. You must address the anger. And many people, it seems like candidate-wise, are not. No. They're just going after, here's my platform. Yeah. But people are mad. So but you, at the same time, Trump still, you, you listen to what he says on his stump speeches, and there's there's no substance there. He's, no. That's why it doesn't matter. He's going to build a wall. How? Mexico will pay for it. How are you going to get them to do that? Because yeah. I'm going to tell them. There's no policy there. No. There's just- Wall- Muslims, Pope, um, Megyn Kelly, none of this matters. No. None of it matters to any of the voters because they're mad. So this isn't even about politics. Everyone's like, is this going to destroy the, the, the GOP? I don't know, but it's not about the GOP even. People are mad. They're just mad. Yeah. Why else would you vote for a guy that couldn't denounce the KKK? Well, because he he doesn't want to disrupt the Southern right. primaries with you know telling certain yeah. people I don't want to be with you. He won't even do that. Every votes. politician for the last forty years, minus Strom Thurmond, would do that, and Byrd would do that. Eh. But he's denounced him. He said he's you know since come out and well because now he knows right now he now he looked it up because he didn't know about David Duke. Anyway, it's – but I think that's the point is that it's not even a pro-Trump thing. It's an anti-government. It's an anti-establishment. So we're going to figure it out today. Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, will be here. He's going to give us uh, his inside scoop on Super Tuesday and uh, help us understand what's going on there. Everybody's hoping for a contested convention now because that's kind of – you know, it's kind of like when you don't get asked to the dance. And then you sit home, but the whole time you're thinking, well, maybe something will happen at the dance. Like maybe, maybe Stacy will get sick on the way to the dance, and like they'll need to, they'll, they'll need someone to fill in for Stacy. Maybe I'll be the one that he'll pick after Stacy gets sick. Probably not. I don't know. I, ben was just looking at me like that. He's <laughs> like, "You talking about me?" Well, that was a really low voice for a woman. Stacy could be a guy's name too. But you said right. you made it sound like it was a woman, or did you just hear it that way? You need more sugar. Yeah. Ah, oh, Benny, good to have you. Uh, happy Pig Day, Happy World Compliment Day, and Plan a Solo Vacation Day. All good days. Uh, Fairly positive days. Yeah. Very positive. I went to the dentist yesterday. How did that go? Um. Great, uneventful. No cavities? No cavities. But you know when they clean your teeth? Yes. Not the scraping clean, but like the um, the rubber spinning thing yeah. clean. Yeah. They're like buffing your teeth. It's like they're waxing your teeth, yeah. I have a really ticklish 
roof of my mouth. Ooh. I know. And I was like um, curling up into mm-hmm. a ball okay. while she was, you know, cleaning my teeth. And she said, is this bothering you? And I thought like the tears in my eyes and my nostrils flaring and my knees up to my chest were like a dead giveaway. And I'm like, yeah. And she said, is it hurting? And I'm like, no, it's tickling. And she's like, <laughs> and just kept going. Wow. I don't know what to think about that. Hmm. I don't like that. Was it kind of a maniacal laugh? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It was great. Nothing big. Nobody died. I didn't have bleeding gums, which means they obviously didn't work hard enough. Usually, yeah, usually you walk out of there and they've, they've I, put you through the ringer. I kind of feel like my hygienist is slacking a little bit. I had a dentist. One, I went to a, a new dentist and he had – they have that uh, – I don't even know what it's called, but it's a hook, sort of hook tool they use, like scrapes. And they oh, go yeah, in. that's old. Well, he went in and he was like poking around on my teeth and I think he saw there was some sort of a, a, a spot of concern. Yeah. And so he took it and he jammed it in there mm. and then like he like repositioned himself and then really put his weight into it. He, he, like, leaned in. Yeah, and my jaw for the next three days was just sore. Weird. And I went, well, I'm not going to go back to that dentist. He tried to break my tooth that isn't broken. Anytime a dentist has to, like, reposition it was to more get of leverage. A, more of a torque-type <laughs> yeah. situation. He was, I, I, what are you doing? Anytime you hear your dentist go, <laughs> goes, does that hurt? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Don't you love it when they ask a question, too, and you're waiting for them to remove their hands? That's weird. Yeah. I think being a dentist would be a really difficult job. Just, hey. You're trying to have small talk with yeah. someone who cannot my guys, talk at my, all. My Matt Ben's incredible. Love him. I've been there with him since the start. Back when, you know, he'd hook you accidentally. <laughs> now he's just soft and gentle. Hey, let's get to the headlines, find out what else is going on on this big Super Tuesday Terry, what's up? Thanks, Matt. Donald Trump poised to dominate Super Tuesday with only Texas and Minnesota's true contest for uh, Senator Ted Cruz and Senator Marco Rubio, respectively. Trump is expected to rake in delegates across the southern Super Tuesday states of Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Virginia. Republicans are concerned. Conservatives' Twitter lit up over the weekend with the hashtag NeverTrump. As rank-and-file righties, pundits, and other vote, uh, vote vowed not to support the Republican frontrunner, even if he wins the nomination on Monday, Nebraska Senator Ben Sass, a rising Republican star, said this on CNN. I'm not going to vote for Hillary Clinton, and given what we know about Donald Trump, I can't vote for that guy either. I believe in the Constitution. I've taken an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. And if you got to a place where those are the two major party nominees, and I certainly hope that they're not, um, I'd have to look for a third-party option. Do you have somebody in mind? Is there somebody you would... No, but I, I believe that there will be more candidates that enter this race if the only choices that we get are two dishonest New York liberals. What's Whoa. he talking about? We have two candidates. We have a process. You you widow it down to those two. Those are your pri- those are your your different parties. You know, no, nominees. He's saying, in and the he's end, saying somebody else steps in. In the end, in the end, if it's two, did you hear what he said? Two dishonest New liberal York New Yorkers. <laughs> I heard yesterday someone saying so. Jeb Bush has just suspended his campaign. Yeah. Will he show back up at the convention? No. That won't work. Come in and save the Again, day. Again, you got to remember the anger. This is about anger, not about politicians. These numbers, they're all fluid, but 35% of Republicans who don't back Trump told CNN in a poll released Monday 
that they would definitely not support him as a general election candidate. Another 13 percent say they said they probably wouldn't. So you end up with around 45 percent, 46 percent of the GOP that will not support Trump. Wow. So that's interesting. Crazy year. Uh, Donald Trump reportedly requested a group of about 30 black students be removed from his campaign rally at Georgia at Georgia College Monday night. The students who were standing silently at the top of the bleachers were visibly upset as they were escorted out by Secret Service agents a, at a separate event in Rad, Radford University in Virginia. A group of black students were removed from Trump's uh, campaign rally after they chanted, no more hate, no more hate, let's be equal, let's be great. The Republican frontrunner has come under fire after he did not immediately condemn supporters from a uh, Ku Klux Klan leader, David Duke, when he got his endorsement, I guess. Also, a uh, Time magazine photographer was chokeslammed. Chokeslammed. Grabbed by the throat and then put through a table by a Secret Service agent at one of these two rallies. Oh, about that. But if you look at the video, the guy reaches up and grabs the security agent by the neck and swears at him, and then the guy... You know, it Put seems like you shouldn't touch the Secret Service. That's kind of the lesson I think the guy's learned. Or you'll get throat slammed. No one is charged, is, uh, uh, you know, filing charges against anybody because okay, everybody's at fault. Just walk away. Apple, walk away. Apple cannot be forced to turn over iPhone data to the Federal Bureau of Investigations. A New York judge ruled on Monday in relation to a Brooklyn drug case. The decision comes nearly two weeks after a California judge ordered the tech giant to create software to help the U.S. government retrieve information from the locked iPhone of of, San, of the San Bernardino shooters. Apple has reportedly been asked to fork over private information from more than a dozen other iPhones in other criminal cases. So the New York ruling kind of conflicts with the California ruling, which is how you set up the uh, go to the Supreme Court. It looks like we're going to see something in the Supreme Court. Or move up in the yeah. judicial system. So we'll watch that. A 14-year-old boy pulled out a gun in southwestern Ohio school cafeteria on Monday and opened fire, hitting two students. Authorities said two other Madison local school students were injured in another way. None of the injuries appeared to be life-threatening. The uh, young man, the shooter, ran from the school and threw the gun down but was apprehended nearby. They said the 14-year-old student was there with a motive to the shooting, which they he did not identify. So he has a reason, but they didn't hmm. disclose what it was at this point. So scary times there. It's very scary. Um, this is kind of a creepy story, but a mummified body of a German adventurer has been discovered on his abandoned yacht, which silently drifted around the world for years, apparently. Oh, wow. Manfred Fritz Borjat, 59, was found by two fishermen at the... Uh, over the weekend off the coast of the Philippines, his body was discovered near the radio telephone on the 40-foot yacht as if he was trying one last desperate mayday call. It's not clear how long he had been dead and for how many years his yacht has been adrift, but no reported sightings of him have been mentioned since 2009. Holy cow. He was floating 40 miles off the coast of the Philippines in the Pacific Ocean when the fisherman spotted the drifting vessel and boarded it. So was this boat just floating around? In you know, I guess once you get out of the shipping lanes where oh, yeah. boats normally traffic, you can just float around by yourself. You'd think like a pirate ship or something would have found him. Something, but I, I guess there's large tracts of water just nobody. Well, goes don't you in. wonder what he was like? So he's mummified. Was he just asleep? Was he starved to death? It looked like he was just hunched over the table and then covered in dust because they showed pictures. Oh, they did? Yeah. And you looked at him? Of course. Sick. It's just a mummified body. It wasn't anything, you know, Send gross. me those pictures. <laughs> that is disgusting. Yeah, so this guy, he dies and the boat just floats around. But you know around. what? Not a bad way to go. You know, you're a millionaire, billionaire, whatever. You got a yacht. 
Dehydration, starvation, that's not a bad way. No, to... maybe he was just sitting there playing mm, games. Maybe he was playing no. a little. Don't think so. <laughs> maybe he was playing Uno. <laughs> little Uno with himself. Oh, my heavens. Poor guy. And then you're found like years later. Oh, wow. Boarded by some fisherman. Wow, interesting. It's a crazy world we live in. Hey, let's take a break. Uh, When we come back, we'll be joined by our Washington insider in studio. Joe Cannon will be with us, helping us understand what is going on with the GOP and uh, what's going to happen on Super Tuesday. What's his best inclination? It's uh, it's time, folks. A third of the delegates up for vote today uh, in these in these uh, Super Tuesday states. If you're in those states, folks, be wise. Think think hard. This is your country. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, in studio with us is our Washington insider, Joe Cannon. Joe's been a, a past chairman of the Utah Republican Party. He's now the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, um, which is an organization that's trying to increase the uh, competition markets, uh, fuel, fuel markets, and, and lower the cost of fuel in the United States. Joe is also a candidate for U.S. Senate, served in the, as an assistant administrator of the U.S. EPA under Ronald Reagan, and was an editor of the Deseret News. Joe, you've been a busy man. I do have an odd resume. That's true. And you also are the Washington insider that we all know and love. The most precious <laughs> thing on my resume, right. That's I, do, right. I hear you take that to Washington, and you're like, you know, I'm a Washington insider. Yeah, yeah. They, they, Let and, me into the club. It's amazing. The water's part. <laughs> they just, yeah. Isn't that sad? Hey, uh, I guess something's going on today, um, a Super Tuesday. Um, big day. Is that a big Very deal? Big, big day, yeah. A, a third of the votes uh, for the GOP side in the 11 states, a third of the delegates are here in this little grab today. Yep. Uh, and actually half of the delegates you need to win the nomination, roughly, in rough numbers. Man. So, yeah, so talk uh, to us. What is going on with the GOP? This is crazy town. Well, not only have I never seen anything like this in my own life yeah. in, in history, um, there are very few glimpses of this in all of history, we could be we could be witnessing a major reshaping of the political landscape. You've got uh, Pat Buchanan saying there's a new Republican Party emerging here. Uh, you've got a lot of actual other Republicans, yeah. more more real. If I can, I'm going to have a hard time in your program today containing my own <laughs> anger, your, your own and position, anger and fear yeah. uh, about this, but. So uh, the way this has been teed up by lots of people, including the pro-Trump people as well, if you're not for Trump, you're the establishment. But actually what's happening is a good number of non-establishment people are afraid of Trump. Uh, People, genuine conservatives, I just read in probably the most conservative Catholic political 
it's a Catholic magazine, but it's very political called Crisis, just saying, how can you vote for Trump? How can you vote? How can you as a forget about evangelicals? These are now Roman Catholics. How can you <laughs> vote for a person like Trump? How can that be? What is and, happening? Uh, yeah. And um, I, I share that view myself. I mean, we're, what, what's happening, regardless of who wins, whether Trump, quote, wins today, mm-hmm. whether he wins the nomination or not, in either way, we've got the, the divisions in the Republican Party are very clear now. And, and it could be, hopefully not, but it could be irreparable. And I'll just say to all your listeners of today and any time, a vote for Trump is a vote for Hillary Clinton. That's because, what you want. You're, you're, you're convinced there's no way he could beat Hillary. I am convinced of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's got so many skeletons. Uh, he's been able to dominate because he's been sort of a, like a like a sideshow freak. Mm-hmm. He's, he's there. He says things. Uh, one of my most liberal friends said, you know, I can't believe it. MSNBC has become the Trump channel. MSNBC, the far left, well, of course, they and CNN, you, you watch CNN, which I yeah. pretty regularly doing, the crawler, Trump interview coming up it's in, just Trump, in Trump, tw- Trump. two hours. You know, so he's, so, he's fabulous for their ratings. Yeah, he's helped their and ratings so, a lot. Uh, but when it gets down to a two-person race, Hillary versus uh, Trump, if that if – that, horrible nightmare should should occur, yeah. uh, he won't win. Well, you saw in that last debate when Cruz and Rubio more seriously were on the attack, mm-hmm. he he took some hits in a way you haven't seen him, Donald, be hit. And yeah. that, that actually it, – it's interesting because you now see that he is somebody that you can beat. And now – and if Hillary was against him, Hillary's going to go all in. I mean she's got everything to beat him. And they're already starting. So just again, just yesterday I was talking to one of my friends very – was very at the heart of the Obama campaign and now like many has gravitated to the Clinton campaign. This is a true Washington insider, yeah. unlike me. Unlike you. <laughs> uh, and he's saying, look, we made a decision in the Obama campaign to go after Romney right out of the shoot. Before the convention, before he was the nominee, we decided to dismantle Romney and we did it. We're successful. We're going to do the same thing with Donald Trump. And wow. And um, now there are a few rays of light and hope if you're a person like me who's uh, who's deeply concerned um, about Trump. Uh, One of them is some of the some of the ads seem to work. You know, it looks like he's invulnerable. The more you attack him, the more he wins. But there have been a couple of states and a couple of uh, internal polls that, Mm -hmm. that that I've heard of where where uh, people like the Club for Growth and other other groups who are who don't want Donald Trump uh, are running very targeted ads, and these are ads based on interviews with Trump supporters. Okay, what would it, what would it be that would kind of make you concerned about your guy? Yeah, yeah. And then then they just hammer away on that like an exposed nerve, <laughs> and they're doing that in two or three states. Hmm. Uh, Oklahoma it, was one. I okay, think, I think Georgia's one. Uh, to, to, to just to kind of lower his rate of progress and yeah, then hope yeah. that a Rubio or a yeah. Cruz backfill. So it's still the case, even though Donald Trump is going to cre- uh, you know crow about his wonderful, beautiful victory today. Mm-hmm. It's still going to be the case with the, with the well, it's with the possible exception of Massachusetts. I'm catching myself because I have no idea what's going to yeah. going to happen today. Yeah. Could be he does win. Forty percent in state after state after state. In that case, it's going to be, you know, almost impossible. If he's but, polling for polling forty percent in these eleven states, that's 
pretty dominant. It is, and and it would be hard to defeat him. But in the odd chance that he comes in the low to mid thirties in those states, you still have Trump. I'm just going around number yeah. thirty five, and not Trump sixty five. Yeah, there will have to be some coalescence on the not Trump okay. side sooner or later. Right when that happens. If he still only gets 35 percent, somebody's going to get 65 percent. And that that unfortunately, that may drag out uh, until it, the convention. It, it seems like the way you beat Trump is to have an, an alternative candidate that gets the anger. Well, there there's an anger quotient. There's no question. Yeah. There's a deep anger. It's quotient. almost like they're not even pro-Trump. They're just. They're so just, anti-government. They're angry. And he's a, he's a, you know, Peggy Noonan had a fabulous uh, piece uh, last weekend uh, talking about the protected class versus the unprotected class. So rich, elite, yeah. rich meaning, you know, highly college, college educated people who are, you know, bureaucrats who, you know, high level lawyers, the whole the whole protected class versus the people out there who've just gotten the raw end of the stick mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the economy in the last years, and they're angry in general, and they're angry in particular because they see immigration as a threat, an actual real threat to them, and Trump is tapping into that. Mm. There was another great piece. I don't know when you have to go to a break. No, we've got a couple of minutes. <laughs> uh, there was a great piece in the Washington Post last week, and I am, I am not truly underline uh, bold face i'm not comparing trump to hitler but right. there there was I, a I read that wonderful piece yeah. in, in the post by a woman who i later heard who interviewed uh it was very smart not crazy not ranting genuinely in her bones afraid she says look i grew up in the late 20th century i couldn't comprehend how the smartest, most intellectual, most enlightened nation on the planet could give us Adolf Hitler. Right. And now I see. But it was a political culture yeah. that was brewing. Well, and Hitler ran on the – if they had baseball caps in those days, he would have had a baseball cap <laughs> on that said, make Germany great again. Yeah. He appealed to the exact same fear, anxiety of people and he Boom. was successful. So what, what you have in Trump is sort of an authoritarian guy. Yeah. Uh, it's kind all about a me. king. It's he, a king. He he has no. I used to think maybe some concept because he probably went to grammar school. Somebody's probably learned about this thing called the Constitution, but the Constitution is nothing to him. Right. I thought I thought right wingers and conservatives, even intellectual conservatives, were a little bit off the mark by really going after him on what's called the Kilo decision, the the eminent domain decision. Yeah. Uh, and he uses eminent domain for parking lots. Right. I thought, okay, well, I don't like that use of eminent domain. But then he comes out and attacks the heart of the Constitution. Say, I'm going to change the libel. You wrote a bad thing about me. I'm going after you. I'm going to. Oh, I know. I'm going to change the law so I can sue you. That's right. Uh, no, he he is showing no sensitivity. Well, and then, then when the, when he has people removed from his crowd, I mean, it sounds like a king. Like he sounds like off he with sounds his head. like. Get rid of him. Most of your listeners won't remember this guy, but he sounds like a Huey Long from Louisiana, dirty politician, thug. That's what he sounds yeah, like. a brute. He's, he's a thug who's deeply insecure, who actually isn't very smart. I mean, some of the things yeah. he says are actually reflect a person who did not have – I don't care that he went to Wharton. You know, his no. dad gave him hundreds of millions of dollars. Fine, you can get into Wharton. That doesn't mean you get a Wharton education. I mean, he talks about uh, his sister would make a great Supreme Court judge. I know, I know. You know, she's a left wing. That I guess is the point: is that it's almost like it's not even about him. It's about the anger, yeah, and yeah. he personifies the anger, and he yeah. seems like a sharp enough blade 
to yeah. do something about that's, it. All, all of that's true. Isn't that scary? Yeah. Uh, but let's take a break. Let's come back. I want to hear what you think about Jeff Sessions, uh, uh, Chris Christie, all of these uh, you know, more mainstream politicians now getting in Trump's corner. Also find out who really – could could do anything about it. It, it. Cruz might win Texas today. We'll get into all of that. Okay. Uh, I want to hear Joe's insight. Folks, we'll come back speaking again with Joe Cannon from FuelFreedom.org. Um, and uh, he's he's our Washington insider, whether he likes it or not. He's as inside as we get. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, folks. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us, our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, is joining us. Um, He's also the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, fighting to lower the costs of fuel and improve the markets um, here in the United States so that you have less expensive fuel and better uh, fuel options and alternatives. Uh, Joe, welcome to the show again. Super Tuesday. Thanks yet for having me. Happy uh, Super Tuesday. Hey, talk to me about um, what – I mean – Pretty much they're saying uh, Donald's going to have a sweep unless Cruz can win Texas. If Cruz wins Texas, what does that mean? Well, it, it breathes a lot of life into his campaign because when you look in the last rounds, the, you know, the, the last set, uh, you know, he did win in, in uh, Iowa, Iowa, but he was disappointing in every other state, disappointing right. by – Except for his own standards, of course, he won. He nailed it. He gave a victory speech in every single <laughs> one of the uh, the, the uh, subsequent states. But, but having said that, you know, most people looking at it said, "Wow, Rubio did surprise a lot of people," and that could happen again. I mean, the, one of the bad things I don't know for a poll junkie. I don't know if I mentioned this. You know, include this on my resume. Yeah. But one of my mentors in life was a guy named uh, Richard Worthlin. Oh was, man, was Ronald Reagan's yeah. pollster. And I, I worked for him. Did you? Uh, and and God. I'm a, a poll addict. There aren't a lot of polls right now, so there are some. There are yeah. glimpses, so you can yeah. see you can see glimpses, but you can't really know what's happening on the ground and what's what's happening. So we'll know tonight. Tonight will be the best poll ever. And if I mean, if he wins, he's going to win what 55 delegates out of Texas, out of the possible 600 that could go tonight. That's. I mean, it still doesn't give him much. Ten percent of Donald's. Take. There's good. There's good news and bad news in this. The one thing the listeners ought to pay attention to, we talk about proportional and winner take all. Right. But even in the proportional states, a chunk of the states today, and I think it's like eight or nine of the states today, have a threshold. Oh. So if you don't get in some of the states fifteen percent, and in five of the states I think twenty percent, you get nothing. Zero. So you could imagine a case where uh, in, a, in a state, they take Virginia, um, although I'm not sure Virginia is one of the states. It's just, yeah. just, uh, Georgia. Georgia yeah. is one of the states. If, you, if Trump gets 35 percent, Cruz gets 20 percent, I'm sorry, Rubio gets 20 percent, Cruz gets 19 percent, all of the delegates are split proportionally between Trump and and, and Rubio. And, and and Cruz would yeah. get nothing if he was below 20%. And same with Rubio. Rubio's good. There are going to be cases, and Texas is likely, could be one of those states where he gets nothing 
um, if he doesn't get, I think Texas is a 20% threshold. Wow. So, yeah, we talk about proportionality, but there is a threshold. Yeah. So Trump could actually do better than his 33%, 35%. And and Cruz could come up, uh, Cruz or Rubio, depending on the state, could come up short by a tenth of a percent. You know, 19.9% gets you nothing in some of those states. Is... Um... If so, again, to the watch out you were suggesting is if if Trump is above forty percent, then game on. If Trump is above forty, and neither Cruz nor Rubio get enough traction in enough states to get above twenty or fifteen, depending on the the state, could be a very bad night. Yeah. for one or both of them, and a very good night for Trump. What, what happens if Rubio goes zero for eleven? Well, Rubio is going to go zero for eleven unless some miracle happens. Right. So, so the the only question is, I guess he's vying for Virginia. Yeah, he's he's hoping there's Virginia. There's an outside there, shot. There's at an Virginia. outside chance, and and he's actually he's actually doing better. He, I saw some some very meager poll numbers from Georgia where mm-hmm. he was doing pretty well, but none of those states, I don't think, with the slight exception of Virginia, we'll see how that happens. Is he gonna is he gonna win? But I, I think his plan is, you know, I'm not going to win, but I'm going to be in second place. I guess that's what they're all going for. Yeah. Just I mean, keep. There's the famous trick about the two campers and the bear comes up yeah. and the uh, guy starts running and his companion puts on his putting on his shoes. And the guy says, you can't outrun the bear. He says, I, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. And that's Ruby's that's strategy. It. They're all trying to outrun yeah. each other for third place. Well, second place. Well, yeah. So, so right. They want to win second. Yeah. They just have to outrun so Rubio has to outrun Cruz, and Cruz has to outrun Rubio. And the problem is they both need to get together yeah. because together they could beat Trump. T- together in, in ev- virtually every one of these states except Massachusetts, in virtually every state among, among the, again, the meager polls that we yeah. have, the two of them beat – the not Trump beat Trump. But it almost seems like they're not playing um, – Together to beat Trump, they're now they they're each playing their state. So they've kind of given up on the other ten, and Cruz is going for Texas. Right. So again, that just will give domination it seems or the opportunity to dominate for the Donster. Yeah. Well, the good news is I think maybe this the hope is the father, the wish is the father of the reality, but uh, it could be that they seem to have be attacking each other less yeah. and going after Trump. Right. So what do you think of their attacks? Uh, Rubio went spray tan, small hands. <laughs> Cruz went mafia yeah. against I, Trump. I, so I think um, – I, I don't know, of course, but, but I think Rubio's tactic was, okay, Trump has been crazy outrageous in some of the really insane things that he says, contradicting himself even in, self in, the, even in the same yeah. speech. And so I think Rubio decided I'm going to I'm going to attack him. But the best way to attack him is sort of the light right. uh, kind of joke. I'm making a joke. I, I'm I'm going to you know show this for what it is. Though even he backed off in the last couple yeah. of days uh, of being quite so. It's hard because then you don't seem presidential, but but none of them seem. This looks like a, right. this looks like it's a mud wrestling fight. That last debate, Happy like... Pig Days, you mentioned. Earlier. Exactly, this is, this is mud wrestling is with it. pigs. So um, true. What do you think about the Donald David Duke KKK? Fiasco. I think Donald can be quite calculating. 
I watched the tapes like everybody else and saw the history when he um, uh, rejected him. But then he kind of paused. Then he came up with a r- ridiculously stupid, yeah. oh, my earpiece, by the way, you know, that, well, you and I are on the radio right now yeah. and we could, I can hear you perfectly you fine. Uh, I, I think he knows that a core of his base is racist. He knows that, and he can't afford to lose that. So wow. he, he tried to navigate, and you know, and that's navigating. That's I agree with every commentator on this. It's utterly unacceptable not to instantaneously, immediately uh, reject yeah. uh, that kind of any kind of association. And he didn't. No. He didn't. I don't know if he still has. Has he? He well, he, I mean, has, he, he has made di- some statements. He's disavowed. Yeah. Yeah, he said, Dude. "I'm not. I'm not. I don't want their support." Yeah, but but that's different than completely a, blowing it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and uh, well, I wouldn't say normal. He's a normal person. He's very crafty. He's a he's a a showman, and uh, so he's going to go. Well, I'm not going to alienate a significant part of my constituents yeah. here. So he tried to, he's trying to have it both ways, and that's just one of the areas that there's no both ways. No, no, and it's again, I guess. It, it's this is like so you say. This may be the beginning of the end of yeah, the GOP. Yeah, I don't think he's a racist, by the way. No, I think, I, no, I think I he's think, a marketer. I think he has no ideological, philosophical right. core. He has no, I think none. you're right. So all, all he is, I'm selling the Donald. I'm selling mm-hmm. these baseball caps. Yeah, and, it's not like know. he's going to go show up at a rally. Yeah, no, no, no. And I, I doubt that he. I mean, he's a basically he's a liberal New Yorker who's pulling the wool over the eyes of a bunch of suckers out there yeah. who are letting their anger overcome their their virtue and their reason. You know, I used to tell my clients as a practicing lawyer, do you want to win or do you want to feel good? If you want to feel good, we could do all kinds of crazy things. You can feel really virtuous, but if you want to win, there's kind of a hard slog you way to do go this. here. But lots of people opt for wanting to feel good, right? And that's you know, so you can feel. Oh, so <laughs> self-justified in your anger. <laughs> while you go and, to prison. And here's or our while you guy. Lose the case. Here, here's our guy. And, and uh, yeah. Is, do, you, do you sense that Clinton's going to put it on ice tonight? Is she, is she going to She's already it? put it on ice. There's no – there's zero chance. There was never a chance that Bernie – it was a nice sideshow again. He did well enough to attract lots of media attention and he's a colorful, interesting guy. $40 million raised in February. Yeah. No, he's he has tapped into – the anger, uh, yes. Uh, uh, the same kind of anger. Uh, uh, it's the same kind of anger, different different uh, ideological basis. But yeah, no, he's tapped into it. Yeah. Uh, and I, guess, I guess which is why you're saying the, the Democrats are not going to be energized. And yet no. – and the Republicans aren't – Donald's not going to be able to pull the entire Republican Party. No, that's so exactly – so we, we as – I'm going to say we now – as you've noted, I have been the chairman of the Republican <laughs> <Yeah>. Party, <laughs> so I can't not be a Republican. But I've tried to be objective on your yeah, show. Yeah, you I have. Think, I think I'm trying to, you've try done to a great be job. clinical in my in my discussion. I'm not clinical on this. No, you're, I, I, I I see a great historic tradition which is wedded together since Abraham Lincoln to halves, two parts of a of a of an ideological movement, a very free market, business oriented. Uh, you know, that's how you give the greatest good to the greatest number of people mm. is enabling the market and then a strong, deep uh, social concern. We are the party of abolition. We are the party who did that. And, and it was a very religious 
movement. Yeah. And uh, by, by the way, today, 1780, Pennsylvania became the first state in the United States in the history of the country to abolish slavery. Oh, wow. So there's a good history. So, so we have a long history since the 1850s of, as a party of somehow melding together uh, to fairly disparate factions. And we've done it in through lots of sort of thick and thin and yeah. come out of it. And it could be blowing apart right now. But if it's if it's Clinton and Trump and you have to basically abstain because of your conscience, where do you go? Well, what, what, do you, you write someone to, in? What, no. Well, yes. I mean, I can tell you that in 1972, I actually worked for the Republican National Committee. I remember sitting in my little cubicle, <laughs> filling up my absentee ballot for California. I could not vote for Richard Nixon, and I could not vote for George McGovern. So yeah, I, wrote, right. I wrote in someone. Did you? You just but, wrote in the name. But that's not the answer. Yeah. What the answer is is lots of people. A write-in is the same as not showing right. up. And a lot of the core Republican support won't show up. And so we, we could be on the cusp of nominating the only person Hillary Clinton could beat. Yeah. Um, do, do you think a Bloomberg will jump in? Not if Hillary's in. No. I, I, I've almost certain knowledge of that, by the way. They're really? Gonna, yeah, he's not going to – if it's Hillary Trump, he's not going to jump in. And the odd chance it were Sanders and Trump, he would jump in. But that's not going to happen. Okay. So, so he's not – there's no – Serious possibility. Now there is talk on the Republican side of a third candidate, a third party candidate. Now, oh yeah, uh, some pretty pretty serious people are, are exploring third parties. You've got some senators and House members who are going to run as non-Trump Republicans to try to um, the anti-Trump move, the, move you know remove themselves at some distance. From, so it would have to be somebody yeah. that that was not in the race before, right? Because right. they're not going to draw anybody. Right. I, I, I don't think there's going to be – third-party attempts never work. Even one of the most popular presidents in history, Theodore Roosevelt, hmm. could not pull off a third-party victory. What he did was divide the Republican Party, yeah. as is happening right now, and he gave us Woodrow Wilson. I wanted to – just yeah. before we go, you, yeah. you asked me the question about um, um, – Senator Sessions on one yeah. hand and, and, and Chris, Chris Christie. Christie. So Chris Christie, I'm just going to dismiss as an opportunist. I mean, yeah, uh, from Jersey. I mean, he knows Donald. They're 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 similar thugs. Yeah. and and uh, you know they're peas in a pod in a lot of ways. Although when you look, nor, normally when someone in okay in the thick of a campaign, you see all kinds of things. But at the heart of Christie's attacks on Trump were his incompetence, his inability, and now he's saying he's the only right. guy. It's, it's it's really, in my view, cannot be anything more than political opportunism or envy and jealousy yeah. at people who actually beat the heck out of him. He'll be. The, we're talking about a three percent guy. Yeah. And but Christie will be the Justice Department yeah. head of the Justice Department, and I'm happy with that. I, I actually, He'd be tough. He, he could do that in a in a Cruz or Rubio administration. Yeah. Sessions is different. Sessions points out the deep cleavage, the deep fault line that we're talking about in the Republican Party. And there's 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 uh, Sessions, there's Laura Ingram, there's who's that crazy blonde woman? Um, Coulter uh, and Coulter. And Coulter, even Phyllis Schlafly, who is an icon right. who wrote a choice not an echo about Barry Goldwater in nineteen sixty four. What it shows is that when it really comes down to it, there's a strain in the party, in the Republican Party. And for what it matter, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, too. George Wallace appealed to the same cohort of Democrat voters, same cohort of people who have a real fear of immigration. I, I understand the jobless person 
But the Pat Buchanan's, the Phyllis Schlafly's, mm-hmm. the the Senator Sessions's, the Laura Ingrams, their utter fear of uh, immigration is way deeper than just the jobs issue. They view it as the end of Western civilization. Hmm. They are wrong. They they sound a lot like the the folks sounded. Uh, um, when the Irish wave was yeah. coming in, they, they sound exactly the yeah. same way. It's a very nativist kind of fear of culture. No, instead of saying we could win these people. Yeah, close the uh, doors. Let's Keep just, them out. Yeah, it's, it's a deep fear. So you're getting, if I could use a horrible pun, immigration is trumping mm-hmm. things like abortion, things like the market, things that the, the deep, free trade, the things, deep senses yeah. of things that have made the Republican Party the Republican Party. This is an establishment versus not establishment. Right. This is uh, a, a segment of the party that is afraid for its life, in my view, wrongly, but that's, yeah. that's where they are. I mean, you, you have Ann Coulter saying, I would rather have abortions in the White House than, than illegal immigration. Oh, man. Now, now that is, she's, of course, she's given to crazy statements, but that is crazy. So you're having Laura Ingram, a strong, deep Catholic pro-life person, saying, in, a, in effect, she hasn't actually, I don't think she's actually endorsed Trump, but right. she... She's sure. all she's all in for him. Yes. Trump is a creature, by the way, of, of this of this deep angst. But he's also a creature of Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, mm-hmm. Fox and Friends, all these people that have trumpeted him and made him a legitimate character. When in reality, he is exactly what Rubio says. Uh, he's a con artist. Yeah. He's a great con. He's artist a marketer. This. Who 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 is a living example of all the things that he is criticizing. He, he really does use illegal immigrants. He really right. does use uh, H-1B uh, land, land grabs. It, well, I'm talking about employees today, not yeah. forgetting about the illegal immigrants in the past. Employees today oh, that's that, right. that, that uh, he resort. shuts out American, um, you know, U.S. Uh, citizens for. He uses the – abuses the Constitution. All he is about is money and himself, and he makes money selling strippers, alcohol, and gambling on confiscated yeah. land. Um, it's and 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 made and it made him a billionaire eight times over, as he tells us all the well, time. Well, <laughs> yeah, we we have yet to see his beautiful tax returns. I know that's. I guess that's a, that's a whole other side of this. Yeah. Um, well, Joe, we appreciate you. It's it is it's crazy, and it maybe it's something that. You do. You divide the Republican Party and set up a new model through this well, election. Well, a new model would be a new, a new the, the bottom leader. line. Is, it's not philosophical at all. The bottom line is a vote for Trump is, is a vote for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and if that's what you want, great. But uh, uh, crazy, crazy time, Joe. We appreciate you. Have a good time, you little Washington insider. Joe Cannon's his name, folks. Go to his website, fuelfreedom.org. FuelFreedom.org, and you can learn more about his efforts to uh, make uh, gas more affordable, the markets uh, around um, fuel in the United States more accessible. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Remember, this is your election, folks. And, uh, you know, again, you can be angry at the government and um, still live your values, still live your beliefs and your, 
your true your true value system. It's a really interesting thing, and I think in the end, uh, it's not. It's like we can't. Everybody feels like we can't trust anybody. Who can you trust? Uh, you know, when the GOP was in, we didn't feel like they delivered. Um, with Obama, you may not have felt like your voice was heard, and yet. Now you have a whole other option in Trump, in Cruz, in Rubio, in Kasich. We never even hear about him anymore. And yet um, you still feel disenfranchised. If you have your anger, maybe find another way other than just the ballot box to express it. Um, maybe get more involved in your political uh, system. It's, it's interesting and fun to have Joe in here simply because he's involved. He. He goes to the meetings, he talks to the people, he reads, he he studies the issues. And, uh, you know, that might be something that could help all of us to be a little more informed. You have the freedom to choose, but uh, make sure you choose based on information, not just what you see on the news. We'll take a break, folks. That's hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. Next hour, we'll be talking parenting and working on some of the mistakes we tend to naturally make. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here, your coach, your guide on the side. Happy Pig Day. Happy Pig Day. That's my favorite day. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You got to work on that. Happy Plan a Solo Vacation Day. I think after today's Super Tuesday, many candidates might be planning their vacations. Many are saying Trump will run away with it and Hillary Clinton will run away with it. It's over. Go count your delegates. Ah. <sighs> I think it's uh, 13 states, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Vermont, Virginia. All go to the polls or caucuses today uh, on Tuesday. Democrats also caucus in Colorado and Republicans will do the same in Alaska. So 11 for each uh, party. 13 different states will be either uh, in going to the polls or caucuses today. To basically um, give away a third of the delegates, only and half of the delegates needed in the GOP side. So if Donald runs the table, he will have more than half of the votes needed to win the nomination. <laughs> crazy, crazy time. Um, boy, what do you do? Listen to this. Uh, in our, uh, we always like to kind of you know focus on um, the bad boys. Among uh, the crimes New Jersey Police Departments regularly investigate, vandalism to property likely is one of the more routine day-in, day-out incidents that they have to handle. Police indeed responded to a report of vandalism at an undisclosed location in the township on Monday, but the vandals chose an unusual way to act. They heaved a porcelain toilet onto the driveway of a private residence with a dead, frozen raccoon inside the tank. According to a report 
Uh, fire started in the kitchen of the restaurant Monday morning, and um, Sergeant Bates confirmed the incident, saying the police investigated. It's more of a prank than a threat. The dead raccoon, he said, was stuffed inside the toilet's tank. May it rest in peace. What's happening to our cri- our criminals today? They're now stuffing dead raccoons into a toilet tank. <laughs> Man. Um, what do you do? What do you do in the end of, you know, you sit, we talk politics all morning, and then we have to get serious about our, our next topic today, parenting. What do you think? Parents, we make mistakes, right? But we're not the ones to blame for our kids out there doing pranks. Today we'll be talking with Allison um, Schaefer. And she's going to be teaching us about some of the mistakes that parents make uh, and what we need to stop doing so that we can raise our children to be healthier, happier. I I think we have already a solution to all parenting problems. What what would that be, Benjamin? Taze it. We're going to be starting a parenting taser model. Yes. Not to be used on children. This is for your older children that come back. Yeah, so so they have to be over 18 legally to use it, but... I have a feeling the parent taser is not going to sell. It's illegal. Only only above a certain voltage. Yeah, maybe maybe let's not have like a heavy voltage. Let's just have something like more like a static... Like, like just, those um, gum packs that you pull and they shock you, right? Yes. My son did that with a pen once and got suspended from school. He's now like, parents can do it to their children. He's like his mother. He's like his mother. Um, always shocking everybody. So, yeah, he got in trouble. Had some kid play with his shocker pen, and all of a sudden, bada boom, bada bing, he got kicked out for a day. But we had a good talk with him. So we taught him. So, yeah, a lighter, kind of gentler tase. Yeah, problem uh, let's, solved. Let's call it the tase that doesn't phase. You know what I mean? You don't want him to be like, like you just want them to just have a gentle, kind, a kinder, gentle, a or, kinder, gentler phase, tase, or or the tase with a slight phase. <laughs> it's a great name. It's a great name. Um, so, Allison uh, Schaefer will be joining us, and she's one of Canada's leading experts on parenting. And we're going to be talking about uh, the mistakes that parents make and what we can do to stop doing them. Right. We got to, you know, a lot of us want to make our kids our best friends and make sure that they know that, you know, they can do no wrong. And But it might be better for us if we actually just parent. So we'll be getting into that in just a few minutes. But before we do, let's head over to Terry. Terry, find out what's going on in the rest of the world. Thanks, Matt. In a NBC poll released today, Trump holds a massive 40% of support among registered Republicans nationwide, lapping Rubio's 21% and crushing Cruz's 18%. Here's Trump at a rally talking about Marco Rubio. He's getting creamed in the polls. He's like 20 points down in Florida. You know, in Florida, where he comes from, this guy couldn't be elected dog catcher right now if he ran. Now think of it. So. Do you run for dog catcher? In some places you do. I run. I would run from a dog catcher. I don't know what your 
platform necessarily would be. But uh, in national polling, Hillary Clinton tops Donald Trump 52% to 44% among registered voters in a new CNN poll out this morning. But when former Secretary of State faces off with either of the other two top Republicans, things are much tighter as they, the, as they, uh, bef- uh, compared to what they were in January, Clinton trails Rubio fifty percent to forty seven percent, and against Cruz, Clinton holds a forty nine to forty eight wow. edge. So Rubio is actually ahead. So I guess if you want points. somebody, uh, if you want to elect somebody today that can beat Clinton, right now I'd go with Rubio. But the Donster and the Cruzster, they're going to be. And it's interesting, Bernie Sanders tops all three Republicans by wide margins. Really? Because so, people like him. Yeah, nobody, nobody really has a great likability of the other candidates. But Bernie, people kind of like Bernie. Yeah, he's a great guy. I saw him hooping it up on TV last week. <laughs> a reporter was allegedly kicked and choked by security agents Monday afternoon at a rally for Donald Trump in Virginia. Time photographer Chris Morris told fellow reporters that he didn't do anything to instigate the altercation and that he just had one foot outside of the press pen when attempting to photograph protesters who disrupted the rally. Other footage shows that Morris was yelling at an unidentified security official during a verbal spat over where he was standing, after which the security agent grabbed him by the neck and threw him to the ground. Morris Mm. was detained after the violence, uh, but not arrested. I saw the video of this. It looks as if the the uh, photographer put his hand on the agent, oh, which wow. you don't do. First, he did that first. Huh? Yes, and then he was yelling obscenities at him, and yeah. it was there's more to it than what the reporter. These guys have guns. The reporter, though, the photographer did get a photo of himself with the security guy's uh, a hand around his neck, so he's able to flip the camera around and take a picture of himself real quick, and he's got one of those big. <laughs> Long lens, you know, kind of cumbersome to, to wow. move around. So he's, yeah. he's good. He's a good photographer. Just, you know, he needs to get his story straight. A New York judge ruled Monday that the U.S. Justice Department cannot force Apple to give the FBI information about a locked iPhone seized during a drug investigation in Brooklyn. That con- contradicts a, uh, a ruling in California, which is how this will end up in the Supreme Court. You mm. now have two judges saying different things, which moves it up the judicial system wherever that goes it's kind of a maze there'll be eventually to the 4-4 tie on the supreme court absolutely and nothing will be solved speaking of the supreme court clarence thomas did you hear what he did yesterday no he spoke in chambers what it was insane he has first question in how many years since february 22nd of 2006 over 10 years ago There was a joke at one point he made about Yale in 2013, but it didn't have anything to do with what they were talking about. He but, just made a joke about Yale. But wasn't his question, can I get some water over here? No. His question was to the, the lawyer he was talking to from the Justice Department. It was on a federal ban, or it was a Monday, a case about a federal ban on, a, on gun ownership for domestic violence offenders. Okay. So you're a domestic violence offender. Should you be able to have a gun? I'd say No. Well, what he's saying is, can you give me an area of law where a misdemeanor violation suspends a constitutional right? Uh, no. And the, the, That was the question. The guy from the Justice Department kept trying to talk, and he kept saying, he kept repeating the same question because he wasn't getting an answer because there isn't one. Is this, maybe this is happening because Justice Scalia is no longer with us. That's what people think. So somebody has to ask these questions. Apparently Scalia filled up the, uh, the sure time <laughs> quite a bit. And, and That's so. great. That's great. Good job. He's taken up his seat. And another good news. Have you ever noticed when you go to Subway? 
Yes. You get a foot long sub. Uh huh. It's not quite a foot long. Well, I've never taken my tape measure. Well, in 2013, an Australian boy actually measured his sandwich and posted it on Facebook. <laughs> his sandwich was only 11 inches long. You're a monster. So the, the, the photo goes around the world on social media. The New York Post gets a hold of it. Yeah. They look at it and go, interesting. So they went to a bunch of New York restaurants, New York subways, and measured that most of the sandwiches they pulled out, seven footlongs that they purchased, four out of seven of them were measured 11 or 11 and a half inches. Oh, those little... So there was a lawsuit, class action lawsuit, right? Yeah, yeah. So as part of the settlement, Subway agreed to institute practices for at least four years to ensure that its bread is at least 12 inches long. The judge approved 520000 in attorney fees and 500 for each of the 10 individuals who were representatives, representatives of the class action lawsuit, but no monetary claims were awarded to potential members of the class. So no, like, penalties and massive fees that come out of this. And the reasoning is funny. That's why the whole story is here. It was difficult to prove monetary damages because everyone ate the evidence. (laughs) It's one of the lawyers in the case. Ah, lawyers. If someone would have saved a sandwich, if there was some moldy sandwich as evidence, someone could have got a lot of money out of Subway. Well, it seems like all you'd have to do is a study. Take a picture. Take a... There's no evidence. Everyone ate the evidence. (laughs) You got to catch them before they eat it. Apparently. Then what? <laughs> then we should get a twelfth of the price taken off. So justice has uh, is prevailed. Served. We will have footlong subs at Subway. Thank you. That's great. And people say the justice system doesn't work. Yeah, but it does. It does. Well, it will eventually. Eventually we'll get there. Hey, if you're a parent, if you know a parent, if you have children, grandchildren, listen up, folks. Uh, We've been making some mistakes, and it's kind of – it's basically a rule of old-school parenting versus modern parenting. Let's let's go figure out the divide. Uh, Joining us after this break, Allison Schaefer will be with us talking about uh, some mistakes we need to stop making as parents – and uh, figure out the difference between the old school parenting, new school parenting, which version of parenting proves healthiest for the child. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Saturday, March 19th is Acapella Night at Tuacon. The BYU men's ensemble Vocal Point shares the stage with the BYU women's group Noteworthy. Using only their voices, the groups create a full musical experience in styles ranging from rock and roll to traditional spirituals. Tickets and information are available at tuacon.org. Welcome back, parents. Ask any parent, and they'll tell you everyone has their opinion about how you should raise your kids. Some people think parents should be friendlier, putting their child's needs first. Others think parents need to be tougher, laying down more rules and harsher punishments. Maybe the answer is a perfect mix of both. Allison Schaefer is one of Canada's leading experts on parenting. She joins us now live from Toronto to give us some insight into some of the mistakes we may be making. Allison Schaefer, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. Nice to be on with you. Great to have you. Talk to me about this. I mean, we, there's kind of the old school, you know, you you got you to gotta really be strong, rules, you know, Kids are here to do what parents want. And then the uh, the modern method of we're just our children's friends. 
what what model are we supposed to follow? Boy, see, that's where we got all mixed up. We have to understand that, historically speaking, um, in European-based countries, that kind of colonial thinking of uh, hierarchical power structures where you know, the home is considered the little small social unit, and so dad is, at the, is kind of king of the castle. Right. Mom's supposed to fetch his slippers and pipes when he comes <laughs> home, and the kids are the bottom of the pyramid. And in that um, style of homes in the old day, which went on for centuries, you know, roles were really to, to be our indentured servants, to mind our will, and the goal for keeping social order was obedience. And that has been our cultural history. Right. So the problem is we are in flux. We, we are now at a time where in the last 100 years, we have seen an incredible surge in our understandings for the need for human rights and equality. Uh, even in the workplace, we're seeing flatter um, power structures. So this is something that's happening across all social institutions. It's just that what's happened with parents is now we've thrown out this old tradition that everybody understood, you know, you spanked the kids, right. or, you know, you put soap in their mouth if they were <laughs> rude. It, you know, it worked for generations. Uh, and now we're saying you can't do that anymore because we understand that it hurts children's self-esteem, um, that it leads to anxiety, that they don't reach their full potential when we injure them this, this way psychically. So we threw out we threw out all the old traditions, and we never gave parents a good replacement for what's supposed to come after that. Mm. And it left parents in a complete loss, saying, so you're telling us that parenting is important and that environment matters, but you aren't telling us how to do it. And what we saw is the pendulum swing way, way too far the other direction, where suddenly we became super huggy, friendly. Don't cry. Oh, my gosh, you're crying. <laughs> Your little emotions are, are going to get crushed. I don't want you to end up in therapy. Okay, okay, you can stay up later. You know, we stay Yeah, oh, totally. We, we completely became doormats to, to our, to our uh, kids. And so I think we're starting now that we've seen enough of these kids that have been raised um, with parents who did not know how to find that middle ground, you know, they're very indulgent, they're very egocentric, and they're not functioning very well. So now we're seeing sort of the end result of that, and we're saying, you know what, we got to find a better way. Yeah. This, this is not good. We can see that it's um, not serving kids well, it's not serving parents well, but, but look what they're saying, That What people are saying is, Take back the reins, parents. They, they want to go back to, to ruling with an iron right. fist, and this really concerns me because that's, that's not the answer. We, we, and that's, that's been disproved, kind of the oppressive, dominant parent, but then so too has the weak parent because kids need – kids don't need a best friend. They, they still need boundaries. They still need uh, structure and, and discipline. Um, it's just how do, we, how do we play in the middle? Yeah, so that – and we think about that word discipline. You cannot raise a child without discipline. It is a requirement. It is in your job description as a parent that you need to discipline your kids. But discipline, if the, the word discipline comes from disciple. Right. It's about to, 
how to educate your child on how to function in society. That when we are at a restaurant, we don't run around so that the waitress is going to get tripped over and spill her tray of drinks. We need to sit in our seat and we need to use our inside voice so that we don't disturb others that are dining around us. That's to educate. That's discipline. Um, you know, and that's why you know we heard the whole spare the rod, spoil the child, mm-hmm. which has been widely argued about the interpretation of that. You know, the the um, classic biblical was that the shepherd had a rod, and if you were a shepherd and you needed to take your sheep up the hill to eat, you tapped, you guided them with ta- a tapping motion. You didn't whack your sheep, just the same way that if you're working with dogs, you don't roll up a newspaper and smack a dog. You're going to create a dog who's angry or, or, or scared. You don't traumatize right. the animal. So guidance is, is child guidance discipline does not mean punishment. It does not mean pain. Um, and, and we're so wired to believe that a kid won't learn unless they suffer, <laughs> because it's how we've done it for so long. But, but truthfully, a child in fear, a child who is scared, is less able to learn. Um, and so how to do discipline, child guidance, without using punishment rewards, because well, this is the other change that's happened, Matt. We kind of got a lot of parents realizing, okay, I don't, I don't want to spank. I, I, I don't want to do the, the punishment thing. And then there was the proliferation of rewards. Now everybody is manipulating their child to obey by giving them sticker charts. Or mm-hmm. if, oh, if, if, you do your, um, if you do your chores around the house, then you can get the iPad. Time on the iPad. That's like the biggest. We, we use technology as our ultimate lure. You know, if you do anything wrong, I'm taking away your cell phone. Um, but well, this, what does that do, though? Because that, that, Allison, life's not always about rewards either, right? I mean, sometimes you just got a shower. Right. It, and you don't get a sticker and an iPad time to just bathe. Like I bathe every day. I think of another way to make a person feel more humiliated and manipulated and like they're living life on the end of puppet strings than to manipulate them with rewards. It, it, it doesn't work in any fashion. All, we've done so much work now on rewards, and we realize that it actually kills intrinsic motivation. So, you know, that getting the notion across that we shower because we need to be clean and people don't want to smell your armpits after hockey right. practice, right. <laughs> you know, that you have to help out around the house because we're a group and we shouldn't unfairly burden, you know, mom and dad who already worked all day. Those things are, are um, natural to a child to understand, and you can't, there's other ways to get them to be accountable for their responsibility without. But again, not unless you took a class or you learned because we don't have a cultural history of seeing this anymore. So, so of course, when our back's up against the wall and we ask our kids very nicely to do their responsibility and they say no, a frustrated parent will say, well, I tried being polite, I tried that new method, but they didn't do anything, so I ended up yelling, I ended up punishing them. So it's really about educating parents at this point, about new methods of how to be a disciplinarian without those old punishment rewards tools, which is pretty much all most parents know now. That's it, we dichotomize it, it seems like. So either I've got to spank the child or I've got to motivate them with positive rewards the entire time. But again, it's, that's just the same extremes as old school, new school. It is. It still goes back to the idea of I have no faith in my child. I must make them mind my will. They must be obedient. 
um, and the only way to get them to be obedient is to manipulate them in some way. And what I'm suggesting is when we really look at the way human beings interact, we are wired to be social, relational um, human beings. We love being together. We actually like doing work and cooperating. And so we need to create environments in our home where we stimulate our child to want to cooperate with us. And early indications of this is, for example, why do children walk? Why do children learn their mother tongue? Because they want to fit in, because they want to be part of the group, because they want to do what everybody else is doing. It's our natural inclination. Um, and so we just need to continue doing this. And we see this in much more collective cultures and First Nation cultures and cultures around the world that are less hierarchical, where we raise kids to be collaborators, to, to, to win their cooperation rather than force their compliance. Mm. Um, and we just have to create those conditions in our homes, which is respectful relationships and a feeling of belonging. Those are the two kind of ingredients. Like if you had a Petri dish and you wanted to grow a cooperative child, you'd need to make sure that you had those two elements happening in your home. Um, but we come from a history where parent and child are in a slave-tyrant relationship, which is inherently disrespectful. Um, and so in the old days, the parent was the tyrant and the child was the slave. And all <laughs> we've done now is reverse roles. Yeah. We now have tyranny of the child who is saying, I'm not, I'm not eating salmon. Go make me chicken fingers. Yeah. You know, and, and the parent scampers off and becomes a short-order cook, <laughs> which is equally disrespectful. Totally. No, right? totally. So, yeah. It's still every... not about – it's not mutually respectful. So I think you're asking, Matt, about where is that sweet spot, which is how do we have respect but understand that you can be the leader in the family, have a different role and different responsibilities, but do it in a respectful way. So – being a boss without being bossy, basically. Yeah, right. Okay, let's do this, Allison. Let's take a break, come back. I want you to, to kind of give us some keys, some insights as to how we do that. How do we be the respectful uh, leader, still get things done, move, but and also how do we get to the intrinsic motivators with our children? Yeah. Powerful stuff from our uh, our wonderful parenting expert, Allison, Allison Schaefer. If you go to her website, allisonschaefer.com, um, you'll, you'll be able to get access to all of her videos, her, her blogs, videos, podcasts, you name it. It's all there, folks, as, lo- as well as workshops. Um, we're learning. That's the key. You got to learn. You can't just stick to one old method or one new method. If it's not working, let's learn. We're doing it right here on the Matt Townsend Show, helping you have healthier families, healthier lives. Stick with us. We'll be right back. back, friends. Parenting Mistakes. That is the name of the uh, article uh, written by our guest, Allison Schaefer. Allison is a uh, one of Canada's leading experts on parenting, and um, she's written many a book, uh, is also a counselor, a therapist, um, and has been, she, she's basically everywhere. She is the parenting renaissance person. Allison Schaefer, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. You really, you've, you've done it all. Touch them all. You know, I have to say, um, I have a bit of a unique background in that I'm the third generation in my family to teach parent education. And my grandmother was very good friends with Rudolf Dreikers, 
who wrote a book called Children the Challenge, which is still cons- it was written in 1963. It was the book I was raised on. Wow. And um, and he actually counseled my family as a, a demonstration family to help therapists and social workers learn how to work with families. Um, and so I really got early exposure to a lot of the greats. And, um, you know, his book, that, that first book, Children the Challenge, is actually still considered by the Library of Congress to be one of the most uh, seminal works in child guidance of the century. Hmm. It's been translated into a lot of different languages. And when I was first approached to write a parenting book, I said, why? Why doesn't everyone just read Children the Challenge? And they said, because it's old. It's so old. So I wrote Honey, I Wrecked the Kids is sort of my like tip of the hat modern um, version of some of the great uh, writing and thinking of Dreikers. And he was a colleague and student of, of uh, Alfred Adler. And yeah. Adler, Sigmund Freud, and Carl Jung were the three great minds that, that really brought modern psychology to the fore. So in a sense, I'm, I'm, I kind of have direct lineage to some of this yeah. thinking. I, I don't claim any of this to be my own thoughts the way I present it is modern and unique. I mean, there was no iPads back in you know, the right. 60s. It's new, it's new applications to old theories, but these are well-thought-out, well-researched ideas. It's really not a modern thing. It's just finally society is ready to accept some of these concepts that would have been very hard to, to, to sell to the larger masses back when women didn't even have the right to vote. Now we're you know, saying that kids should have rights. That's, that would have, you know, it was mind-boggling back then, but we're ripe and ready for this message now. Well, we totally are. In fact, um, the idea is just basically you're going to be a respectful leader. You're still going to be in charge as the parent, yes. but you're going to do so with honor and respect. You're going to model respect um, and teach us how to do that. Our job is to socialize our children so that they can function in the world. That's really what parenting is about, preparing them so that they can enter the, the, and meet the demands of adult life, which is those demands are social demands. You are not doing a child any favor if you can't teach them how to work in a group. So the child who goes to a kindergarten class and who can't line up and wait his turn because at home he's always the center of the universe and the world revolves around him, is going to have a terrible time in a kindergarten class. Then he's going to start getting in trouble with the teacher and then the friends aren't going to like him because he's acting out. We're not doing kids any favors by making them special. So instead, we need to teach them what social living is all about. And small things, small things, Matt, like teaching a child not to interrupt. It's amazing how many parents, as soon as their child comes into the room and demands their attention, they stop talking to their partner or their friends, and they'll say, yes, honey, what? What can I do for you? As opposed to saying, pardon me, I'm in the middle of a conversation. I'll get to you in a second. <laughs> Teaching yeah. them to be patient and to wait their turn. You're one of many. You are not the center of the universe. And yet this is simple training that parents just don't do anymore. Uh, you see it all the time. And and yet I, I guess that's it because parents don't necessarily frame this that I'm trying to teach my child to, to, to negotiate the social networks of life. That's not what we see our role is necessarily. Right. And we and we and we need we need to and you will see that the happiest kids who have the highest functioning are the ones that have had that training. Yeah. So, you know, a small example too, just you know, eating at the table and understanding that it's fine to have preferences. We all do. I know all kinds of adults that you know do or don't like tomatoes or do or don't like avocados. Like we're all unique individuals, but we come together at the family table, and we have to understand that we don't always get our way you know you don't always get the meal that you want 
Um, so we say in a, in a democracy, a, a social democracy, you don't always get your way, but you always have a say. And what that means is it's fine at the beginning of the week to say, I'm making up the grocery list. Does anyone have any requests? Or how can we make sure that some of your favorite foods show up at different meals so that we don't completely exclude people? Um, you know, but tonight, if tonight is, is pork chops and green beans, you have a choice. You can enjoy those with us or you can pass. But I'm not going to get up and go make you a grilled cheese sandwich and be a short order cook. Right. That's disrespectful to my time. Um, and yet we have all kinds of families who will cater to their individual children and make three and four meals. Um, and, and they come to expect this. They come to expect that this is their right as opposed to um, th- that their parent is just being you know, weak-spined. Well, what a disability. So then they go to college and they don't like what's on the menu. Right. And they're like, What? Listen, I can give you so many extreme examples. I actually just heard of a woman who is, they've had a nanny the whole time this child was growing up, nanny housekeeper, and the child is going off to their first year of college, and the parents are actually sending the nanny. Now, if you need a nanny in college, you have failed in parenting, in my opinion. But in a sense, they kind of have to because they haven't developed him in a way. He can't cook for himself. He doesn't know how to do laundry. He's never been taught. And so that's part of what we need to do is to give our our kids skills and autonomy so that they can function without us as they grow and they mature. Mm. So um, as you were saying, some of those... You know, what does it look like in terms of some of those tools? I mean, one of the first tools that I teach parents in in a democratic parenting workshop is the concept of natural consequences. And natural consequences is really about stepping back and letting life do the teaching. Um, So, for example, just how many people will fight with their kids over putting their coat on in the cold? Right. Right. I mean, it's a, if we got a Canadian winter, you, and while I for sure believe that you can't let your child die of exposure <laughs> uh, or frostbite, that that would be a role of a parent to step in if there was a health concern. But a lot of it is really just putting a jacket on because we'd like them to be warm. And if they actually stepped outside for a moment in, into the backyard on a Saturday to make a snowman and they didn't have their coat on, within two or three minutes they're going to say they're cold and say, I, I know why you wear coats now because it's uncomfortable right. and your playtime is shorter if you're not bundled up properly. So a lot of those things, if we just let the child learn experientially, they will learn for themselves. They'll learn that when you slip on the monkey bars, you know, you fall and you get a little um, bump on your knee. And it's okay to have a bump. It's, it's, it's um, repairable. But now they have a, a way of learning about safety, of assessing risk. And um, parents, are they bubble wrap their kids, and they don't want them to experience these early mistakes. But it's a very important part of learning for kids to know. You know, jumping in mud puddles makes for wet socks. Well, and we, we almost um, – we worry for the child as a 35-year-old, um, not as an 8-year-old. I mean, an 8-year-old on monkey bars isn't going to have this catastrophic, major, debilitating problem. But right. yet we think as a 35-year-old that have heard every horrendous story um, from our lives and we worry – It almost, yeah, we do. We incubate them so much that they really have no shot at life. No, they're, they're, we have to think of it – and this is where I'm kind of like spitting in, in, in parent soup so that it becomes a distasteful thing to do. We're actually interfering with their learning. We're yeah. interfering with them connecting the dots between cause and effect. 
And so if, if we're, you're right, obviously we don't use a natural consequence if it's too severe or if the outcome is too far in the future. Like, for example, if you don't brush your teeth, you're going to get cavities. Well, of course, but you're not going to get cavities for a long right. time. A child isn't going to put that together. But they're certainly going to understand if you drop your pee off the side of the high chair, the dog's going to come over and eat it, and now it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, they will put together things that happen in close proximity um, you know if you touch the stove you're going to get a burn and so they learn very quickly to hold their hand away from from the the stove they kids don't repeatedly pinch their fingers in the cupboards they do it once or twice and they learn they've got to keep their fingers out of the way or the spring's going to snap on them so i think sometimes we just jump in too quickly and we need to let them have some more natural experiences yeah i mean so nature will teach that's nature will and we know that kids learn the fastest. You know, we think we're doing so great with all our lecturing, and but but honestly, saying nothing and just being empathic and saying, oh, it looks like you got a boo-boo, let me kiss your knee. You're figuring it out. You're growing. You'll get it. Just having their back and being supportive is the best way to go. Hmm. And so, as I mentioned, Dreikers and his great contribution, Dreikers and Adlers just said, if we know that kids learn so well from natural consequences and how the world works, about gravity and friction and heat and thermodynamics, can we not take that same concept and apply it to social learning about how we sit at a restaurant or how we line up, you know, to go to the gymnasium quietly in between classes or whatever? And so they created something called logical consequences, which mimic natural consequences, except for it's about the social order and our social rules of living, not natural laws. Hmm. Um, so an example would be um, we need to sit at the table to have dinner. That's how we eat in our culture. If you get up from the table, that is a social indicator that you're being excused from the table and that you're done. So a consequence would be we need to sit at the table um, while we're eating. If you get up, then you're excused and we'll pop your plate away and you'll be welcome to have you know, meals at the next time that food is available. <laughs> and so a consequence for getting up is you're done. Yep. And now the pro- people get that, you know, because you see the logical part is it makes sense. If I say if you get up from the dinner table, I'm not going to read you stories at tuck in. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. They're not well, even connected. It's not logical to the right. child. The child j- just says, you know what? You're out to get me. You just want to ruin my fun, and therefore it's personal. And therefore, I'm mad at you. And so you might take my plate away and not read me stories, but I am gonna you know, pee in the shuffle plant when you're not looking yeah. later. And they will seek some kind of covert revenge to, to retaliate because it doesn't make sense to them. So it's really important when you set up a logical consequence that it be related. It's, it has to have that educative function around our social norms. So let me make, um, let me, so give, let me give it, let me get an example. So yeah. um, if, if my son doesn't practice piano, I probably shouldn't take his phone away. Absolutely. Unless I guess he's on his phone, that's why he's not practicing. Yeah, they have nothing in common. But so, what if if my son doesn't practice piano and that's one of his goals and he likes it, but he just, it's the work that's hard? What would a logical consequence would be we don't do anything else till we've practiced? You might use something called a when then statement. Okay. And a when then statement is, you know, that together you make a plan. For the schedule for the evening. So, you know, we come home, we undo our knapsacks, we have a little snack, then we practice piano, then we have supper. And so you could say in the nat- in the order of how things happen at home, say, you know, when your practicing is done, then I know you're ready for dinner. There you go. 
That's, that's, that's one example. Now, notice that when I teach, I try to give multiple tools because I don't think there's always right, a no, perfect right. solution. I think there's different solutions. I know with my daughter, I was unwilling to sit and force her to play because this is her extracurricular. And I would say, look, I get that doing the drills, you don't get instant satisfaction and it can be kind of tough. And I say, but you know what? If we can just make a commitment to what we're willing to do each week, and if you really still hate piano by December, then why don't we not renew your, your um, piano lessons? Mm-hmm. But if you're not interested in doing the work, then um, let's cut our losses. And, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not willing to pay if you're not willing to practice. Right. So, um, you know, and some people some make that say, early you practice. You have to pay. No, right. Your allowance. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I, I think, I think, I guess that's the key is it's just, it's, it's kind of consciously making the decision for what we're going to do. I guess most of us are just winging it, right? We, we aren't even thinking it through. And I, and so again, having these tools and understanding that they're at our fingertips, we have to kind of look at the situation and say, what tool would be effective here? And in the case of consequences, which can be quite good, um, Not only do they need to be at that logical part, they need to be revealed in advance, which means you can't wait until your son's not practicing and say, oh, I just came up with something. Now you're going to have to pay for the lesson. Um, That is like being hijacked. We need to sit down with our kids in advance of the issue and say, hey, you know, we have a situation here. What do you think would be fair? And we need to include them in the conversation. Um, it's, It's quite fine to say to kids, listen, you got a brain. This, we've got to work on this together. We need to make up a consequence for this together, and it needs to be related, and we need to agree on it up front. And usually if the child has helped you create the consequence, you almost never have to use it. And, and if you do have to use it, they're not going to be mad at you because they knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, so you said you're going to take out the garbage. What should happen if garbage day comes and goes and the garbage didn't make it to the curb? That's great. Get them to come up with something. Like we're, our brains are old. Yeah, we're, no, we're totally. not nearly as creative. And when the child is scratching their head and they're starting now, this is again, it's educative. Like so, now there's stinky garbage for a whole week, and there might get maggots. And ooh, well, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> like they've got to start thinking about the implications for their actions. So involve them in creating that consequence. Don't feel you've got all that pressure to come up with it brilliantly on the spot. That's right. And and again, like you say, it takes away. The, the pain of the implementation in a way because, well, this was your idea. You're right. the one that said that you'd go to your room or whatever. They're not, they're You're not the one. going to take it personally. And that's right. the part about being firm. You're setting the limits and boundaries. You're holding them accountable. But the friendly part is it's not personal. This isn't personal. I'm not yelling at you. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just following through on our social agreements. That again, part of the socializing process. Yeah. Hey, as we wrap it up, um, Allison, talk to us about just give us like the one thing. If there's one thing parents could do today or focus on today that would make the biggest impact in their parenting to, to kind of bridge the old school and new school, what's that one thing? <laughs> well, of course, I tell every parent, you don't know what you don't know, so go take a parenting class. That's probably my biggest mission, to say yeah. there is all this. If you if you take a class, online class, pick up a book, um, you will learn so much. You will find it incredibly empowering. You know, so you'll see that there are some alternative methods. So I think parent education is a huge piece there. Um, and I think the second thing I would say is, 
if we're going to truly equalize the power structure in our homes, I think the number one um, tool for parents is to start having something called family meetings. And you see these now, even on the TV show Modern Family. The modern sitcoms are even having (laughs) family meetings. But this is the idea of having like a place of governance where you decide together, where you make rules together, so that you can see things as a way of solving family problems rather than everything coming down to it's a kid who's misbehaving who has to be corrected. Mm. And if we're having trouble getting off the computer without a fight, let's talk about how to do that better. If we're having trouble getting out the door in the morning and being punctual for school, let's talk about how to do that together. And start listening for the ideas that the kids come up with and implement a strategy collectively as a family. You will find you will win so much more cooperation when you take that approach versus the me against you, uh, me trying to discipline you to, to, to do what I say. It, it just completely shifts the whole um, uh, atmosphere of the family, and you will see your kids wanting to be more cooperative. Oh, it's so true. So true. Allison Schaefer, thank you so much. Uh, great insight. And um, I, I mean, I think I, I'm now motivated to go figure out a different way to get my help my child co- or co-partner with my child on playing piano. Matt, thank you for giving it the time. Parenting's a big topic and it often gets swept under the carpet. So I really appreciate you giving it the time today. You bet. You bet. AllisonSchaefer.com is the website. Go check out the site. You can find all of her books, plus some of those uh, workshops, those online classes that uh, we all need to take to be better parents. Interesting stuff, folks. There's hope. There's hope, but the hope is in the learning. Um, we want to figure out a way to socialize the kids, not just... Get them doing what we need them to do. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, interesting, interesting insight from Allison Schaefer. Um, I know I was taking notes as uh, I know Terry is always taking parenting notes to be able to better parent his child. I don't know. Some of this stuff just seems like it's going a step too far. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, You'd rather just have the old school days where you could just yell and they would just. Well, it worked for me as a kid. My dad would say, do it. And I said, yes, sir. But you know what? Did it, Terry? It did. I did, I did whatever he told no, me to. For know, him, but, it worked great. I know, but Terry. Yeah. Did it really work? It did. I, I mean, look, Terry. You can talk to him. He's a doctor. I'm a doctor, Terry. So what? What? How didn't it work? I mean, you're you're make you're making accusations. It sounds like. Well, did it work, Terry? Yeah. You still, you still scare people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your child still, you know, goes to his mom as a preferred love. Sure. Caring. If there's person. any sort of emotional need, he goes there because she's the mom. <laughs> That's why you're like, this is working. <laughs> works this works perfect. See, you're, you, are, you are one that you should have been born in the 60s as your parenting style. But it's, that would have just, killed you because you love technology. It too. just seemed like a simpler time. It was simpler, but not necessarily healthier. Now I can't say, you know, you did a good job. No, you can't. Because, because I might be overstating the uh, the importance of whatever he accomplished. So later on down the line when he does a, quote, good job, I've already just nullified that yeah. word. No, what you say, though, is whatever part of his character helped with the job, hey, you worked really hard on that. That's what you, that's what you embellished. That's what you, that's what you focused the light on. 
instead of the job Mm. being good, you focus on the fact that, man, you worked really hard to get that thing colored. And you were sure creative using all of the crayons. You're amazing. Now, go to your room so Daddy can watch your shows. (laughs) It just seems like you have to plot and plan every single phrase to your child so that you're not overpraising or maybe inadvertently shaming your child or overusing a word that, that will make him think that every little thing that he accomplishes the, is the greatest thing on the planet on the planet when in yeah. fact it, it just you know common well, everyday occurrences you know that's called parenting my kid buckled himself in for the first huh? time that is a great day he opened the door got in his got climbed into the car shut the door got in his, his booster seat buckled himself in and went i did it and i just i just went nuts because now i don't have to get out of the car where um, i just pull up he gets in it's where it's were great. you i was sitting in the front seat <laughs> Um, just looking back, just embracing the freedom. I just did. Were, were you yelling, hurry? Well, I do that all the time. But so he, that's great news. He got in. Yeah. But so now he, he, not like the, it's like the third day he buckles himself and I go, Hey, does good he job know how to me. unbuckle himself? Yeah. Cause that's, that's why the doors have the child locks on them yeah. because he'd open the doors before the car stopped. Boy, the way I, we went out with some friends the other day and I got locked in the car because of child locks. Hmm. I've never been more afraid. Yeah. That is a scary thing. Like you're like, oh no, hold it, open the door, don't leave, <laughs> don't leave, you guys. Um, well, see, so there's nothing wrong with that. You just praise him. Good job. That that took a lot of initiative. But well, you don't I, I just don't... praise the act. That's the yeah. key. Well, I'm more in, concerned about the act. I don't want to get out of the car to get the kid in. Anymore. Well, I know, I know. But see, so that's that's what she's talking about <laughs> when she talks about intrinsic motivators. Because if he if he likes just performing the act, then that's an intrinsic act. He'll just do it naturally next time. See, it's easy. It's that easy. You're a good dad. You just are from the 60s. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad deal. It's just like Archie Bunker minus the racism. Yeah, that would have been a fun show to watch, I think. Oh, just you to never... see things. Oh, it was I-, I watched a little show. bit it of it. It was a great but... show. Great show. Hey, we'll take a break. Come back next hour. More ideas, more tools right here on the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, bringing the information that you need to live longer, uh, healthier, stronger lives. Top of the morning to you. Happy Super Tuesday. Also, happy pig, what's it called? Pig Day. It's like Pig Appreciation Day. I love pigs. Why? In a blanket. Oh, okay. I ate a pig the other day. Did you? Mm hmm. Oh. I had Kahlua pork and I had bacon. Oh, poor pig. It's all right. What was the pig's name? I was appreciating it very, very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this day was created in 1972 to attempt to elevate awareness of the intellectual prowess, adaptability, and general tastiness of the humble pig. That seems counter. Yeah, they're they're like they're smart and tasty. Mm, two words that don't seem to go together. That is one smart pig, and it goes down really smooth. Hey, um, also World Compliment Day, so I just wanted to thank you guys. 
think you're great. Thanks. Also, did you want me to return a compliment? Because you know, I, hell, I mean, it I really help. wasn't prepared. You often do an adequate job. <clears throat> you are serviceable. <laughs> that felt kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know if I like that one. Let me think. You are serviceable. Uh, no, um, in, maybe. A, in a pinch, you're okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe why don't you guys just work on them, and then maybe later in the show you could. It, you it could, is. It is kind of something you have to. Think through. It's like a muscle that you must exercise to be able to expertly execute a compliment. A true compliment, they say, must be genuine. Nothing horrible has happened on the air since you've done this show. See, that's kind of a backhanded compliment, and today's not backhanded compliment. 100% true, though. I'm doing my best right here. Why don't you just say, you're fantastic, Matt. You're a wonderful person. You're a gift from heaven. Again, it has to be genuine. That, that's not really from the heart. You know what? Let's just talk about plan a solo vaca- vacation day. Why don't you both take yours tomorrow, and we'll have a HR call. All right. <sighs> a little ticked off here. I was trying to start compliments. <sighs> Hope Don's listening. I don't know what better compliment someone could give you than to say you're serviceable. That, well, that's, no. No? All that's right. what the guy said at the when I was trying to get my transmission fixed. <laughs> it didn't feel right. Hey, today, by the way, is Super Tuesday. Um, 13 states are in play. 12 each, but different states for different parties. And... In the end, half or a third of the GOP delegates are up for uh, either a caucus or polling today. So if you're in any of those states and you're about to choose a candidate, please be careful. Be careful because it's, it's a big deal. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff riding on this. And if you've got a lot of anger, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, but be careful. In fact – there's people coming out of the woodwork to take on Donald Trump now. GOP, they have people coming from everywhere to basically try to stop Don because if the Don has a big night tonight, he could have half of the delegates needed to win the nomination. His failure to disavow the KKK and the endorsement from David Duke. You mean his misunderstanding because he couldn't, he didn't have his earpiece His in. earpiece wasn't in, but even though he went on and did, I think, two more TV interviews with the same earpiece, yeah. and everything was fine, that <laughs> one interview, there was a problem, um, has really uh, gotten some people's attention. Yeah. And they've stepped up to try to, to make some correction in Romney, people's minds. Romney said that whole KKK response was disqualifying and disgusting. Mitt Romney says yeah. that disqualifies him, can't be president. Many people have said that with that comment. Or without without going completely out on a limb and saying, no, KKK, don't, they're horrible. Without disavowing, he disqualified himself. This morning, the uh, Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, had some comments on that issue. I want to be very clear about something. If a person wants to be the nominee of the Republican Party, there can be no evasion and no games. They must reject any group or cause that is built on bigotry. This party does not prey on people's prejudices. We appeal to their highest ideals. 
This is the party of Lincoln. We believe all people are created equal in the eyes of God and our government. This is fundamental. And if someone wants to be our nominee, they must understand this. Mm. After that, he said, he goes, I hope I don't have to comment on this election again. And then moved on. Next. Because he, he, he's always said, I, uh, the last couple of times he's actually had to, he felt like he needed to say something. He says, normally, whoever holds this office doesn't get involved in elections. Yeah. But publicly. We're not out there trying to, you know, get votes and think we're, we're busy with the, you know, work of the people here. And he feels like he needs to step in and make these comments. Well, and how many times has, has Donaldson, I, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting a fair shake with the GOP. Right. But is is there a reciprocal clause that's like the GOP doesn't feel like it's getting a fair shake from its candidate, its leading candidate? Yeah. I mean, it's got to be reciprocal. And I guess, I guess that's weird because Paul Ryan is stepping in. <laughs> like, when does the when does when really when has this ever happened? I don't know. Weird, weird, weird. Um, interesting, um, interesting stuff. Let's get to the headlines, Terry. What else is going on around the rest of the world that we need to be paying attention to? Thanks, Matt. While well, Donald Trump's rise as the likely Republican presidential nominee may frighten a lot of people, it certainly makes CBS News Chief Executive Les Moonves happy. During his Monday morning remarks at the Morgan Stanley Technology Media and Telecom Conference in San Francisco, Moonves said of the Trump candidacy, it may not be good for America, but it's good for CBS. He touched the increase in ad revenue and media coverage of Trump and his antics. Donald's place in this election is good, a good thing. He adds that the campaign thus far has been a circus full of pure mudslinging. Most of the ads are not about issues. They're like the debates. Uh, this is so ad revenue's up for CBS. So he's like, yeah, it's bad for America, but it's good for our bottom line. So uh, we're we, loving it. We're loving this. Donald Trump from a rally in Georgia yesterday. Get him out. Are you from Mexico? Are you from Mexico? Right smack in the middle of my punchline. All right, darling. You, if you want, you can stay and you can hear the end of the story. Because you know what? You're moving back to the United States. Some protester just started heckling him. Wow. It's kind of the uh, it, that kind <laughs> of encapsulates crazy. kind of the the fear is that's the guy trying to be president is the guy screaming at people and get him out them of here. Yeah. Today, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman uh, Senator Chuck Grassley are headed to the White House to meet uh, their Democratic counterparts Harry Reid and Patrick Leahy, President Obama and Vice President Joe Biden, to discuss a replacement for late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. White House Press Secretary Josh Earnest said Monday that Obama will bring up the historical precedents for confirming justices in a presidential election year, while McConnell is likely to bring up Obama and Biden's previous statements on confirming justices nominated by Republican presidents. Interesting. So I don't think much is going to be yeah. accomplished at this it's meeting. It's going to be a long year. Lenders are no, lock, no longer looking to your Facebook profiles as a metric for credit worthiness, thanks in part to the social media giant's decision to revamp its data access policies for third parties. For a time, online banking institutions had lofty plans to use Facebook profiles as a new FICO score. Downloading data from your profile to use as benchmarks for your level of credit worthiness. The idea was that this wide-reaching data could tell more about a person's credit background than a traditional credit score, essentially giving online lenders a leg up over traditional banks. This reported in the Wall Street Journal. Hmm. As of May, Facebook opted to limit the amount of information available to third-party services, essentially shutting down online lenders' access to any relevant data on its members. The Federal Trade Commission also made hints that if social media platforms were to use the data for loan criteria purposes, it could then regulate the social media companies 
as consumer reporting agencies. Oh, wow. So Facebook would be considered a consumer reporting agency, no. so they backed off. Like, yeah, okay, okay, we're not doing this. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, would your Facebook be an accurate representation that could be used to guess your credit score? Not Ye- guess, but gauge. Yeah. You think so? Because, yeah. You know why? Because I have 40,000 Facebook fans. Yo. Yo. I'm loaded! <laughs> I don't know any of them. But early, I, early data shows that 34 million viewers tuned in to watch the uh, the Oscars Sunday night, marking a 6% drop in ratings from 2015's already low numbers, putting the 88th Academy Awards on track to be the least watched since 2008, when only 32 million people watched. Uh, sure. Because there was a black host. Now it's going to become the next scandal. That'll be the next scandal. But you know what? They, this is the coolest thing that Chris Rock did. Raised... $65,243 for Girl Scouts. He did. Plus, made it more enjoyable for everybody in the building. Everyone had cookies not that wanted them. They were selling Girl Scout cookies, and they came up 65000 You know, like somebody, some big star throws down five grand. Here you go. Here you go, little girl. Sure. They just had it on their in their wallet. <laughs> Here's five grand. That's cool. Um, this will kind of put a dash possibly in your... your uh, your dream of the self-driving car. Oh, why? I, ha- I already have one. After six, well, you th- you have a car with a lot of amenities. No, it'll drive by itself. That sort of help to that, but it's not true self-driving. No, if you sleep, it drives you. I know, I know. Accident awareness, all that. What? You, you could just be awake and drive your car. <laughs> nah. After six years and millions of miles of driving, one of Google's self-driving cars has been in a self has become a self-crashing car. The company's admitted that a self-driving Lexus SUV bears some responsibility for a February 14th crash in Mountain View, California, but no people or robots were seriously harmed. According to the DMV's accident report, the vehicle encountered sandbags placed around a storm drain when it approached an end intersection. When it moved one lane over, it hit the side of a bus that it had incorrectly assumed would yield. Wrong. The car was only traveling around two miles per hour at the time of the collision, which damaged its left front fender and the left front wheel and a sensor on the car. The bus passengers were transferred to another vehicle. Uh, we we clearly bear some responsibility because our car, if our car hadn't moved, there wouldn't have been a collision, Google said in a statement. That's a great point. Was the car on social media at the time? No. How do you know? Because it doesn't do that. Did somebody ask the car? I don't know. Maybe the driver was because apparently I mean, you just sit there. You don't have to actually. I bet the car was Google. Much. It was googling something. Was it googling something like sandbags? Apparently, it wasn't googling the merging bus that so wasn't merging. The car moved over because of the sandbags in the way. Yeah, and it hit a bus that the car assumed would yield to let it in. Right. To let it in, and the bus didn't stop, so it ran into the bus. Never assume. But it was going two miles per hour, so. Well, two miles an hour today hmm. means 50 miles an hour tomorrow. Could be. Or something like that. That's, so, I saw. I think Einstein said that. No word on if this has completely derailed the self-driving program. No way. Google. It won't. <laughs> it won't. It's fine, folks. It's fine. What's the worst thing that could happen? Well, a little accident. Hey, let's take a break. When we come back, Dr. Ron Hager will be joining us. He is an expert in uh, disease, chronic disease prevention. And he's going to be talking about, you know, older men. How rude. Did you know that women have about five years more longevity than us guys? Come on. Where's the equality there? 
Guys, we got to figure it out. Dr. Ron Hager will help us how, uh, and give us the ideas of how to live longer, healthier lives. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're going to be talking about men's health. And uh, who better to do that than a man, the man he likes us to call him, Dr. Ron Hager is joining us. He's an associate professor of exercise sciences in the College of Life Sciences at Brigham Young University. His expertise is chronic disease prevention. Glad to be here. Not just chronic disease. There you go. Now, you've got an interesting statistic for us. Um, Men, apparently... Don't have the same lifespan as as the ladies. That is true. Unfair. That is true. And, and it's been like that uh, pretty much since the beginning. Adam died before Eve. Yeah. Now, the ga- I don't know about that, but the gap, I do know that the gap is getting smaller. Some experts say by 2030, um, men and women may be at about the same place, and maybe not long after that, men may actually live longer than women. Why? I don't. I, I. I don't know. Maybe men are going to get smarter. I don't know. I, I, I doubt mean, there, it. There are reasons men die sooner than yeah, women. Yeah, talk about that because, I mean, it's. I guess it used to be that we were, you know, we were the hunter, so we were out there maybe hunting more dangerous opportunities. Yeah, to... I, I guess. But some of that has has obviously carried over. So you know, there there are uh, what are called biological factors that are related to longevity and. Uh, actually, when it comes down to just the differences in the sex chromosomes between men and women, the, the 23rd chromosome uh, in women are both X, but in men, one is X and one is Y, and the Y chromosome is shorter, and uh, and maybe uh, that actually affects uh, genetically hmm. uh, uh, how men might be more predisposed to certain diseases, for example, uh, or just the effects of aging. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe we age. Maybe that was God's way of just getting us off the earth. Yeah, and then there are other, um, you know, biological factors related to metabolism. Uh, cholesterol tends to be higher in men than women, for example, and even in some of the subfractions of cholesterol, like uh, HDL or high density lipoproteins, those are the the good cholesterol. Those tend to run higher in women than men. Oh, really? Uh, so, so the more of that you have, the better. Uh, you know, so there's there's like these, and and you know maybe that's related to you know that Y chromosome. Yeah, this doesn't too. seem fair. I thought we were going for fairness. Well, it's kind of funny because it's it it really isn't that fair. I guess if if uh, if fair means equal, uh, and when it comes to you know risk of other diseases, uh, men outpace women in heart disease. They outpace women in cancer. There is one particular uh, disease category that's uh, becoming more. Uh, prevalent, and that's autoimmune diseases. Women outpace men. Do they in autoimmune diseases? But pretty much most of the other diseases. Do we know in suicide? Yeah. Are there more male suicides? Do you know? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't that. know that. We can look that, that up. Yeah. Um, because I guess in the end, it's. I mean, some of it's riotous living. We also know that. Uh, I don't know if, you, in fact, you may not even be familiar with the term of meat sweats. No. Where you consume so, so, so much, much meat, meat that you get all sweaty. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a male thing because I don't know that I've Probably. seen a lot of women with the meat sweats. Well, uh, men tend to overeat more than women. Yeah. But women tend to carry more body fat than men. Uh, if you look at uh, overweight and obesity 
statistics or trends. Uh, women are more overweight and obese than men, but men tend to carry the extra fat around the abdomen, yeah. which is more dangerous. Women right. tend to carry it lower, more around the hips, which carries its its own risk, but not as much as abdominal obesity. So, so again, you know, maybe women are, you know, from a prevalence standpoint, are more overweight and obese, but men still suffer the effects of it worse uh, or more because uh, where they carry it makes things worse. Well, and I, this is, I guess, the age-old issue. Like you were saying, back in 1980, roughly, women had an eight-year gap. Yeah. And now it's down to 4.8 years. So there's progress being made. And you say by 2030, yeah. uh, men may live as long. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that gap may actually disappear. It, well, that's what some, you know, these people who project things, you know, I, I, they're just looking at the trends over time. Uh, and, you know, they say, well, you, you know, just like you said, from 1979 to 2010, they've cut about three years off. So mm. maybe by 2030, they'll cut the other three years off and we'll be living about the same. Well, maybe uh, that's science balancing out genetics. Right? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? So, I mean, maybe you'd who have knows? to be on 12 pills, but it'll all be even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So medical science. Medical science is uh, getting very good at uh, keeping people alive, essentially, in a state of disease. You look mm-hmm. at something like heart disease, uh, deaths actually come down fairly consistently from year to year. But if you look at just the total amount of heart disease, it's unchanged. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So the deaths, so fewer are dying, but heart disease is but, about the same rate. But yeah, but the amount of d- disease is the so same. So me- medical science is it's keeping people alive, I yeah, guess. Yeah, like you, a, that's what you always bring up is it, how it, do you want to be alive? It, it's a preservation issue as opposed to a prevention issue. Man, you'd think we just moved to prevention. Why not? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know, Matt. I don't know. There's no money in know. prevention but yet. Th- there's some other interesting – you know, when you think about – you know, men dying sooner than women, does that end up, you know, changing the population among the elderly? And it does. And uh, uh, for example, among centenarians, a centenarian is a person who's reached the age of 100. Uh, there are four females for every male. Oh. Yeah, that's just bad dating odds. Yeah. I guess if you're dating when you're a centenarian, more power to you. I, yeah. But I, if you're a female... It's it's hard to find a guy, but you date younger men. That's what you do. Yeah, you date you date someone like ninety eight. Right. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. No, you got to go younger. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's you're 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 outnumbered, uh, <laughs> or you're you're undernumbered. I guess there's only one male for every four. Uh, more than half of all women over age sixty five are widows. Now that that to me seems kind of sad. That is sad. Over yeah. half. I, I mean, over more than half of women over sixty five. Are widows so sixty five is not that old. That's not old. No, and the older I get, that is not old. No, no, yeah, it kind of accelerates, doesn't it? The closer you get to that, the faster it seems to get to you. Hmm. Um, At age sixty five, for every hundred women, there are only seventy seven men, and then that disparity, you know, as as people continue to age, that disparity gets even worse. It's even worse at say eighty five. Has anybody ever looked into the idea that it is the women that are actually killing the men? You know, I've wondered that. You, you might know, want to look into that in one, your research. One of the things, for example, that impacts risk of disease and premature death, I mean, a, a major risk factor is diet. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about that. So, for example, if you're married, you may want to look at what your wife is feeding you. 
She right? might be trying to kill you. I mean, you. maybe she's, uh, you know, got some kind of secret insurance policy or something <laughs> like that. And, uh, you know, it is crazy. You're, 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 you're eating all these rich desserts and, you know, uh, gravy and potatoes with butter on it. Yeah. And, and you're thinking, you might just want to ask yourself, what is going on here? And you got the meat sweats, and she's like, no, 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 that's fine. Just have yeah. have more meat. I read about that online, and it's a good thing. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, I guess it would be great to blame the ladies, but in reality, it's as guys, we've got to figure out how to quit killing ourselves yeah. so fast. Yeah, and there are, some, there are some tips for that. Let's do this. Um, Let's take a break, though, okay. and come back. Have you teach us the how-to? How do we stay healthier? As a male, and let's – I mean, think about it, guys. If you can live to 100, you have a, a four-to-one ratio. Actually, you're the one. You have three women uh, – four women to every uh, centenarian. So, guys, the odds are in your favor. Live long live and long prosper. And prosper. <laughs> it's worth making it there. Um, we'll take a break, folks. Come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping uh, you men live longer and love stronger. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us is the Ron Hager, <laughs> the man's man. <laughs> I googled my name once, Matt, and there. Did you? And there's was that where it was? There's a lot of Ron Hagers. Oh, are there? <laughs> Darn it! Uh, I was sad too. It's kind of sad. Ron is an associate professor of exercise sciences in the School of uh, Life Sciences at Brigham Young University. He's an expert in chronic disease prevention. And today he's talking about the fact that women outlive men um, by the time you're a centenarian, four to one. Yeah. If you get to that age. But women, um, on average, have about 4.8 years, they live 4.8 years longer than men do. Women average age a female for a female will be 81 years of age is their average life expectancy. For the male, it'll be 76.2. Yeah. It doesn't seem fair. Yeah, somebody's seems like somebody's always left behind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you do hear – I just want to say, though, I, I have heard of cases where, you know, in, you know, a couple who is – a married couple, they've been together for a lot of years, you know, maybe celebrated their 75th wedding anniversary or something. I mean, a long time. Yeah. And, uh, and one of them passes. And then sometimes I've heard stories within hours. Right. The other passes or within days or maybe just a week or two, the other one passes. And, and I, you know, I, I, I don't doubt that there that, – that, there's some kind of connection there. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's not. It's it's just that one can't live without the other. But I I have to tell you though that I I just wonder. I mean, I, if I put myself in a situation where I thought, you know, if I died and left my wife, or if my wife died and left me, uh, it, it wouldn't be a good thing. Mm, you know, I would, sad. I wouldn't like it. And sometimes, you know, the widow or the widower uh, live for decades. Oh yeah. You know and. Uh, and I'm sure they manage, and, and they have family, out. and that might. But but again, the ideal would be, you know, let's let's do this together. Yeah, let's die in the same car. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, the self-driving car. The self-driving car yeah. as it runs into a bus. Yeah. So some of the factors you brought up, though, some of it's biology, where yeah. the male biology is just different. Yeah, and, and then yeah. some social. Yeah, there's some social issues. Uh, for example, stress. Uh, 
And and I can attest to this. You know, this is, uh, I mean, it's anecdotal evidence, but my wife handles stress better than I do. The exact same situation, and I kind of freak out about it, and she keeps, she's a little more level-headed. Yeah. Um, uh, so men have more of a type A personality, you know, and you know about that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a little more anxious, a little, you know, and and, and that type of personality actually affects, uh, you know, some of the the biology as well. You know, it can affect blood pressure, uh, you know, uh, other hormones that, uh, you know, regulate metabolism. So, you know, it, it can be damaging how you, you know, if you don't handle stress very well. And, and that can shorten your life. Mm, totally. Um, uh, you know, for example, uh, type A personalities have more heart attacks uh, and and you know, men have more heart attacks uh, than women. Uh, of course, interestingly, is at certain age groups, women have more heart attacks than men, but that's probably because there's uh, not as many men around anymore. Around. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it's it's impacted the numbers. Yeah. Um, there's some other behavioral factors. Uh, probably the one that makes the most sense is, uh, you know, the idea of risky behavior. Yeah. Men, uh, you know, you, you, you mentioned, you know, you know, maybe back in the you know, the Stone Age or something, you know, that, uh, you know, the men were, you know, just engaged in more dangerous activities just for survival. Right. Uh, but maybe there's just some, you know, something in us genetically that uh, tells us, you know, to do stupid things. Yeah, hey, sometimes. jump off that cliff. Yeah, exactly. Jump off that cliff. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, men, men pay a, a higher price when it comes to things like injury and trauma. Well, I mean, I mean, maybe to work conditions. I mean, I mean imagine yeah. working in a mine. Right. Back in the day, you yeah. know, yeah, dri- driving truck at weird hours. And I mean, historically, there were jobs that I guess that, those are the jobs that men would do. Right. And still, and still more men do those jobs, yeah. even though some women are, are involved. Now, smoking uh, rates have come down over the years, and that's a great thing. It would be nice if it could get to zero yeah. uh, prevalence because smoking is the leading actual cause of death worldwide. Wow, uh, really? It, it causes more death in the United States. Now, you might say, no, 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 no. Heart disease causes more yeah. death. Than yeah, but smoking causes more. It's more of the actual cause. So you say, well, what causes the heart disease? Cigarette smoking. So well, even, and totally preventable. Yeah, so, so even though only 19% of men smoke and only 15% of women smoke, uh, it's still the leading preventable cause of death uh, worldwide. Uh, so, uh, you know, smoking may, may may be a factor here because more men smoke than women. Diet, uh, if, if you just look at large samples of people and you assess their diet, both men and women, women tend to have better diets. They, they eat more fruits and vegetables. They eat more whole grains. They don't overconsume as many calories. Yeah. Uh, so men, uh, you know, they kind of go f- sort of for the, you know, the typical American diet, you know, uh, the, the meat and potatoes meat and sort of approach. Uh, and they they tend to eat more uh, than women, and so that that leads to other uh, issues, uh, even just beyond obesity. Uh, and then uh, when it comes to exercise, women actually exercise slightly less than men on a regular basis. So here's one where you could say men are leading out, but uh, the sad thing is that about seventy percent of the population of combined men and women do not get enough exercise to yeah. to, to reach a threshold where they see an effect on reducing risk of disease and death. It's still not beneficial enough yet. Yeah. And then and then lastly is medical care. Uh, and, you know, we kind of joked about that a little bit, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, medicine keeps people alive, you know, in a state of disease. But 
you know, there's more and more of a push regarding things like, uh, you know, uh, just annual physical exams and particularly certain screenings like, uh, you know, for colon cancer screening or prostate screening or breast cancer screening, um, you know, getting your blood pressure checked regularly, getting your cholesterol checked regularly. There's more, you know, public health uh, efforts being made to encourage the population to participate in those things. And it is working, uh, but more for women than men. Right. So women take advantage of those uh, opportunities more than men. So when it comes to issues of early detection and preventability of things. Uh, mm, yeah, we, we maybe men avoid that. or I mean, I have a communication theory on it. We don't want to yeah. talk about our weakness. Well, maybe, yeah. And to go into the doctor for a preventative thing, it seems, ugh, yeah, I don't want to go there. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be something like that. But women tend to, I guess, not fear, yeah. you know, the, That's the, why the annual screenings and the, and the routine physical exams. Uh, I look at my wife when she was having our children and I'm like, there is no way I would ever do what she's doing because like, they're so vulnerable and open oh, and yeah. willing to – yeah, sure. Everybody can come in while I'm yeah. pushing a baby out of me. I would have done it alone behind a tree <laughs> and probably died of staff. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> it's horrible. So anyway, those are the various reasons why <clears throat> men tend to live shorter lifespans than women. But there are some some things you can do. Yeah, what do we do? What do we do? Uh, we got two minutes. We got two minutes. Well, um, from the Harvard Men's Health Newsletter, if it comes from Harvard, you know it must be good. Uh, but they actually have done a lot of research in this area as well. Uh, so no surprise, number one is avoid tobacco. Uh, and I can't emphasize yeah. that enough. The, the number one thing a person can do for their health if they're a smoker is to quit. And I'm not saying that makes it easy, but it is a critical piece. Yeah. And then to eat well. And most people know what it means to eat well. Uh, but they they say, well, I don't, I don't enjoy eating well. I like eating poorly better. Uh, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say to that kind of a person except that uh, – you know, maybe think about someone else besides yourself right, right. or something because there are ways to eat better and still be able to enjoy your food. Exercise regularly. Do your best to, to stay lean or at least maintain a healthy body weight. Adult weight gain, as it's called now, is a critical piece of, of reducing your risk for diabetes, for heart disease, for stroke, for cancer yeah, even. Yeah. And it's this whole creeping obesity thing, you know, where – you know, you hit 30 years old or 35 or maybe even 40, you get to that point. And, you know, so far you've maintained your weight really well, but then something happens and all of a sudden one to two pounds a year start creeping on. And 10 years later, you know, you're 20, 30 pounds heavier than you were. Mm. Um, if you do drink, and I'm talking about alcohol here, you drink in moderation. Uh, there actually are studies that show cardioprotective benefits for moderate alcohol consumption. Uh, further research has shown that uh, that is from the phytochemicals, uh, you know, those uh, those uh, chemicals in fruits and vegetables that have antioxidant uh, properties, for example, and that, that it's more that than the alcohol. Um, but but you should limit your consumption if you do drink alcohol uh, to reduce risk of uh, cancer and uh, and other diseases. Uh, do your best to relieve stress. Yeah. Uh, find find things that you can do to relieve stress. I know people who exercise almost exclusively just so that they just as a stress it, reducer. Just, just as a stress reducer. So there there are things you can do. And as hard as it might be, try and avoid risky behaviors. Yeah. You know, I mean, for some, it, it, yeah. you know, people tend to be cautious. You know, some people do. Others tend to be 
a little more risky, but try and try and use common sense uh, and reduce exposures to toxin and radiation and even radiation from the sun. Uh, men tend to be exposed more to the sun than women and particularly avoid the tanning beds. Yeah. Uh, just just stay away from them altogether. But you, you can you use a spray tan. Spray tan, yeah. Like the Dawn. Yeah, exactly. And uh, get get regular medical checkups. Women do that more than men, so men need to step up there. And then just try and enjoy your life. Try and count your blessings yeah. and, uh, and, and, and think about why life is so good. I, I think if we just made it a competition – yeah. Between men and women to see who could live longer. <laughs> then men would Then we get up. serious about it. Yeah. Good, good point, man. <laughs> Let's just make it a competition. Well, Ron, we appreciate you. Great stuff. Thanks. Ron Hager's his name. Uh, again, he's on twice a month with us to help us understand how to live healthier and, uh, and happier, really. And again, have better relationships in the meantime. We'll take a break, folks. Come back to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us, folks. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Ah, we're going to shoot it down to our good buddies down there at BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard in today. Hello, gentlemen. Well, uh, good but, morning. Good tune, by uh, the way. Don't you love that song? Can I tell you a quick story about Please this? Please do. Every time I hear this story, I am taken back mm-hmm. to being probably seven or eight years old, driving in downtown Kansas City. And it was 9 o'clock on a Saturday. And the reason I know this is because I knew the day of the week, of course. Yes, of course. But I looked on the bank, and it was 9 o'clock, and this song (gasps) came on on 9 o'clock on a Saturday. I I think of that moment every time I hear the song. That is is nostalgic. It's one of those – it's funny how music can take us back to a specific time, right? Yeah. I took it – this was when I was at home being grounded – (laughs) <laughs> and my mom was listening to it um, because I didn't put my Matchbox cars away. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize it was a painful memory. I, yeah, I apologize. It's okay. It's, I'm getting over it. Hey, um, did you guys hear about uh, – do you guys eat many Subway sandwiches? Love them. Yeah. Apparently, they've man. been jipping us. What? Uh-oh. What happened? The uh, footlong uh, sandwich, the footlong bread, not actually a footlong. How long is it? No. It's eleven to eleven and a half inches. What? I know. They done. They done. Okay. Stole an inch. Now, has this always been the case? And if so, why are we just now actually measuring it? Do we just? Do we just decide? You know what? We trust Subway, so we're never going to check. You know what it was? It was a really loud, annoying uh, construction worker who happened to have a measuring tape. Yeah. And he pulled it out. He's like, "Hey." <laughs> And then, I guess he's suing. He's suing, probably. Yeah. People are suing. <laughs> they want that inch back. Because the problem is it wouldn't matter if the bread was an inch longer. The sandwich doesn't have enough meat on it to matter. You get what you get, you know? Yeah. Get what you pay for. You get what you get and you don't you get, throw a fit. You get what you get. It is what it is. <laughs> That's really great. Hey, guys, I got some other bad news for you. What What else are you bringing to the bad news camp here? <sighs> This is kind of a depressing day, but I don't know if you know this, but your wives are probably going to outlive you by yeah, 4.8 years. I expect that. What if your wife is older? 
then you scored like, big. Older. Because my wife is older than I am. How, how old is she? Uh, she's 15 months older than I am. That's not that much older. I thought you were going to say 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> no. Whoa. No, we're not getting into that. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, she's 15 months older. Yeah, so that's... That doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't balance it out then. The sad thing is you'll still die younger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so things to look forward to, I guess, then, huh? Yeah. There is a way to die together. I've seen The Notebook. <laughs> yeah. Hey, spoiler alert. <laughs> It's been how many years? Hey, don't even Go get me on. started. You know what movie I finally saw for the first time yesterday? What? The Hunt for Red October. Uh, oh, really? Uh, really? That is the greatest. Ninety. So good. I just watched it yesterday. Isn't it wonderful? It's so good. <laughs> it really is. It's a must see, and you just uh, barely got to it, Jason. You know That's... what? Here's you know what you want me on my review? Yeah, the yeah. Hunt for the Red October. Eh, eh. Well, eh. It didn't do anything for me. Oh, it didn't. Oh, man. I think the hunt lasted way too long. You... Don't. don't. <laughs> we can't start the show like this. The, the, the sad is thing is. Is there anything better than a Russian Sean Connery? <laughs> yeah. With an Irish. With an Irish accent. Irish accent. Yeah, wait a minute. But the problem is, if you had seen it in the 90s, you would have realized it was incredible. Yeah, it would have blown my mind if I had yeah. seen it in the 90s. You can't. Once, you know, you can't see it after the Mac or Apple movement. It just changed everything. It's a whole different tech era. Yeah. Sorry. Ruined it for you. That's all right. There we go. <laughs> defection. <laughs> that is a great song, though. It's my favorite defection. Hey, it's, by the way, you guys, it's, it's Pig Day. So happy Pig Day. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Happy World Compliment Day. And happy plan a solo vacation day, which apparently Spencer took literally. <laughs> Maybe that's why he needed today off. Oh, for sure. Uh, I can confirm it wasn't a vacation, but was yeah, it a he... pig? No. Okay. No. Okay. Now we're intrigued. What yeah. was it? No, he's. Was he's it a medical issue? Uh. Hmm. Yeah. I had my yeah. teeth cleaned yesterday, guys. It has to do with teeth. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well. Should I send a bouquet of he's flowers? Having he's having some work done. Throw some dentures on uh, Thursday's show. <laughs> okay. He's going to love you for that. Are you guys still – you're going to still do your show, though, even though uh, Spencer's having emergency surgery? Today is the day to do it especially because Spencer's gone. No, okay. We, today is the most loaded, interesting show we've had in a while because wow. not only is it a three-guest day with Christian Stewart, BYU quarterback – from a couple of years ago, weighing in on spring football. It is the start of spring football, so we'll give you all the information that has come out of that. Uh, they are still practicing as we speak. They'll wrap up in about 20 or 30 minutes. Then uh, we have Coach Michael Littlewood of the baseball team. They're 7-1. and one. He'll be in studio. Jeff Judkins, his team just won the outright conference championship. They so head to cool. Vegas and play Friday. Uh, and Jimmer Fredette, potentially his last chance to play in an NBA game tonight. Never. In his career, Never, maybe. I say. Huh? Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's lots going on. Hoping to go live to practice, uh, depending on the availability of the football team as well. So plus Jason Shepard, plus Jason Shepard's in the house. So yeah. we, there's so much going on there. Jason, have you done any sit ups today? You just raised the roof. I you did raise the roof. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you could see that. <laughs> you couldn't see that on your uh, SiriusXM radio dial or on the BYU radio app. No, I was, and I, we're trying to pull it up on the TV, but apparently they're not showing your. You need to put your shirt on before the show, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. That was that was a little weird. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> Nobody's ever be been me. on the set without a shirt on. <laughs> as long as that coincides with the BYU honor code, we're cool, man. That's all great. American all Ride great. is on before us on BYU TV. I was like, what's on before BYU Sports Day? It's American Ride. Let's take a ride. <laughs> you got to have him on the show. You probably have already, huh? 
Have we had Stan Ilsworth on the show? You I don't think to... we've had him on BYU Sports Nation. Get him on there. We need, He's... Sports... we need a sports reason. He used to play. He, well, show. he used to play pro ball, I think. I think is the... Or college ball. Yeah, yeah. I've he... heard that as well. I don't know if it's true. He used to play something. He used to coach yeah. high no, school he's a cool he, We had him on True Blue one time. Yeah. yeah. See, you guys well, know. We had him play the role of Santa Claus on True Blue. Oh, he would be we, a... We had a BYU Sports, which was the night before Christmas, read. A surly Santa. And he read it to these kids. We brought him in and taped this thing. Oh, that's yeah. great. It was cool. He was great to work with. Guys, have a great show. Thank you. And Thank you. And just, you know, just know that we're here for you. And that's what we appreciate. <laughs> and you don't lie to us. Well, I've never lied to you. And remember, live long. Try to outlive your wives. Try I hard. I don't care about that. <laughs> just, we're trying to get the stats up for men. I kind of well, well. I have life insurance. My wife doesn't, so I, I would actually prefer to die for. for I would too, yeah. especially if I could pretend to die and then just take the money and go live on it. Yeah, you may want to uh, erase this audio just in case. <laughs> <laughs> could be used again. Thank you for the advice, guys. <laughs> have a great show. We'll see. Malcolm Dead. That is a great idea, uh, Ben. Will you make sure we erase this show? I erase every show. Oh, I thought we were putting it out on podcast. On iTunes and TuneIn and BYU Radio. Well, we put a link up, but there's nothing it links to. You just erase it. Mm-hmm. Huh. I thought we were out. I thought we were creating progress and, and changing the world one podcast at a time, but apparently that's not happening. Well, I, I was actually never taught how to save a show, oh. and so I, I just erase them. Well, that explains a lot. Yep, I need Don to get in here. Hey, um, uh, Don needs to teach you some things. One of the things you may have missed, uh, which is completely amazing, is did you know that a a meteor landed on uh, about 600 miles off the coast of Brazil on February 6th and nobody paid attention to it? Come on! Come on! A meteor, folks. You know, a space rock fell out of space. And landed on the Earth. The impact was about 20 miles above the Earth. And it uh, released an equivalent energy yield of 13,000 tons of TNT. Isn't that weird? Nobody seemed to care. Things are falling from the sky, folks, and nobody seems to care. Did you know this? NASA uh, didn't even warn the world about this. Because there's 100 tons of space debris that hits the Earth's atmosphere every day. 100 tons of Earth de- of space debris. And we're like, eh, whatever. Instead, we're just messing around, joyriding, like this guy from Key West, Florida. A man was arrested in Florida, um, Keys, after he took a backhoe for a joyride. On the Seven Mile Bridge. The Monroe County Sheriff's Office shared a video of Carl Blonick, 59, driving the backhoe back and forth across the bridge as he dragged the chain hook, causing damage to the road. The Seven Mile Bridge was closed to traffic for over three hours earlier today after a man dumped boulders on the roadway with a backhoe at the north end of the bridge. He then took the backhoe for a ride, traveling back and forth on the bridge for an hour and a half. What a fun ride. Hey, have you tried the uh, Seven Mile Bridge ride? That's a great ride. Just take a backhoe to it. 
A deputy uh, vehicle was damaged in the chase as patrol cars were forced to frequently change directions to avoid being hit by the backhoe and, uh, you know, just out for fun. So we don't notice meteors flying from space, but a guy on a backhoe makes the news. I'm just saying, kids. Anyway, as you know, we always like to wrap up the show with the hero of the day. And who better to do that than uh, an active duty SEAL who got his Medal of Honor from the President of the United States? Listen to this uh, wire, this uh, news story from Newser. President Obama shined a spotlight on a special breed of warrior as he awarded the nation's highest military honor Monday to a Navy SEAL who participated in a daring 2012 raid that rescued an American hostage in Afghanistan. Senior Chief Special Warfare Operator Edward Byers, Jr. is the first living active duty member of the Navy to receive the Medal of Honor in four decades. Today's ceremony is truly unique, a rare opportunity for American people to get a glimpse of a special breed of warrior who so often serves in the shadows, Obama said, calling the ceremony perhaps the largest gathering of special ops members in the history of the White House. Byers participated in a rescue of Dr. Dilip Joseph, who was abducted along with his driver and interpreter. The rescue was undertaken three days after the abduction of the Navy's famed SEAL Team 6. Obama recounted during the ceremony how SEAL Team rushed the building where Joseph was taken. Byers ripped down a layer of blankets, exposing himself to enemy fire. A teammate pushed in and was shot. Byers moved in next and fired at a guard. Byers threw himself on the hostage, using his body to shield the fighter uh, uh, to, the, from, to the wall and held him until his teammates took action. It was almost over as soon as it began. In just a minute, by going after those guards, Ed saved the lives of several teammates and that hostage. By the way, one uh, officer, Petty Officer First Class Nicholas D. Check, 28, died. And he died trying to bring back another American, Byers said in the statement. So he accepted it on behalf of his entire team and all special forces. So he's the hero of the day. Senior Chief Special Warfare Operator Edward Byers Jr. You are the hero of the day of the Matt Townsend Show. Folks, count yourself lucky to have people like that behind you that are willing to, to to have your back and to protect this country. That's what you're voting for as well, too, those of you that are in the uh, voting uh, states today on Super Tuesday. That's it, folks. That's the show. We'll be back tomorrow. Until tomorrow, watch each other's backs, take care of each other. We'll talk again tomorrow. <laughs>